Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Oh yeah, big one coming your way. Really looking forward and excited about the show. So much to get through. I want to address Carlton, Melbourne, Geelong and clearly Essendon this morning. We'll take a good look at the finals. We'll get your Friday forecast as well. We haven't done this for a couple of weeks, but as we get towards the business end of the season, we'll take your certainty for the weekend because mine last week absolutely blew up in my face. So I said Collingwood were making up the numbers. That wasn't the case. So I want to hand it over to you and put you under the pump this morning. Your certainty for this weekend and your most at stake. Hard to go past Geelong in the pressure stakes. We'll do all of that. We'll open up the phone lines as we always do for the first hour. one 736 736 Great story. St Kilda have been one of their former greats. Justin Kaczynski is going to join us this morning. We'll have a look at... The game tonight against Richmond and can they cause an upset? Brett Phillips on the latest from the French Open and Rafa and Novak's potential matchup in the Grand Slam final there. We're going to go to the US and speak to our man, Bonta Hill, on the NBA finals, which may be wrapped up tomorrow with LeBron James winning his fourth NBA title. And also we'll get the latest on the NFL COVID crisis. Sammy Edmund from SEN with all the latest trade news. Isn't that hotting up as we get towards that kicking off on November the 4th as it sits right now? And then we'll go to Vegas and speak to Port Adelaide board member Darren Kale and coach of the number one or certainly one of the best uh, world tennis players, Simona Halep. He'll join us from Vegas this morning. But most importantly, it is your interaction. We're here thanks to Apollo League, apolloleague.com. Elevate your career. Hey, why don't we start the show with this? Oh, I've sat back, I've digested it all, and I've consumed it all, and I've bitten my tongue in relation to the Essendon news of the week. There's been a heavy overreaction to Adam Saad and Joe Danaher departing Essendon this week. Essendon's culture has been questioned. Catastrophe is a word that's also been thrown around. Now, on the news of Wednesday's announcement that Danaher was joining Brisbane, club legend Matthew Lord, Lordo, labelled it one of the saddest days in the club's history, and many are warning that the player exodus is only just the beginning. Now, whilst I understand the disappointment from you Essendon people, Danaher, Saad and Fantasia leaving is not the end of the world. We'll get back to that shortly. Now, I'll admit, I never liked the coaching succession plan. It's... Um, yeah, it smelt from the start, to be fair, and I didn't like the direction the Bombers were going under new coach Ben Rutten. In fact, in September last year, I said this on the captain's run. 
The decision to replace coach John Warsfold in 2021 with assistant coach Ben Rutten lacks courage and conviction. It's also downright confusing. It was an easy option designed to alleviate the pressure and media speculation that had built around Warsfold all season. What about Rutten has convinced them that he's the coach capable of taking this extremely talented yet inconsistent side who has teased us all year? Why is he their guy? The highly touted assistant coach was poached from Richmond to look after the Bombers' team defence. There's been no improvement in the side's defence. And I'm no clearer today than I was back then in September last year in relation to most of those questions. Rutten has a massive challenge in front of him, no doubt, to convince the players, support staff and passionate Bomber Army that he's their guy. And clearly has been spoken about a lot. It starts with massaging the relationship with the club's most impressive on and off field player, Zach Merritt, who comes out of contract next year. But let's address Danaher. Him leaving isn't the catastrophe that many are making it out to be, nor is Saad or Fantasia. It's the right move for Joe to leave, and if I was an Essendon fan, I would have been disappointed if he stayed. On the raw numbers, Danaher is an injury-prone, inaccurate and inconsistent forward who's been shopping himself around to other clubs for over 18 months now. In the last three seasons, he's played 15 games for 18 goals. He'll be 27 by round one next year, was never going to be around for the side's next premiership push, and if the Bombers can turn him into a pick 10 inside the top 10, that is a win. Now let's deal with Saad. Now, whilst you never want to lose quality players, particularly uh, only three years after he joined the club, there are warning signs. According to Fox Sports' Tom Morris, Saad was frustrated with the defensive role he was being asked to play and didn't like receiving feedback. Since when does a player in a team sport demand the role that he wants to play? That never, ever ends well. Essendon only gave up a future second-round pick for Saad in 2017, now, they should be able to significantly upgrade that pick to Carlton's pick seven in exchange for the 26-year-old. Turning a second-round pick into a top 10 pick for a player that is three years older is good business. And not surprisingly, Orazio Fantasia will leave next. Whilst he's super talented and I like him as a player, the raw numbers tell you he's averaged just 11 games and just a goal a game in the last three seasons. It's also worth remembering... Brisbane's similar issues with retaining players only a handful of years ago. Sam Doherty, Elliot Yo, and Jared Pollock were all first-choice players who left. At the time, the Lions were described as a basket case. How's the contrast now? It can turn quickly. Under Chris Fagans, the Lions are now a destination club, and they are two wins away from a premiership. I'm not denying there are significant issues at Essendon, and it starts above Ben Rutten. But his role in building relationships with his players isn't going to be easy. However, every Bombers fan should be excited by the blockbuster hand they'll take into this year's draft and the prospect of a reset. Should they get it right, the list could be in a similar position to Port Adelaide, Sydney and Fremantle pretty quickly. Danaher, Saad and Fantasia leaving isn't the disaster it's been made out to be. one 736 736 Get involved, joining the conversation... Or you can send me a text on 0433 98 11 16.
There you go, Bombers fans. I, I came on here a few weeks ago after Danaher kicked three in the second half against Hawthorne at Adelaide Oval. You didn't want him to leave. I said it's absolutely the right thing that he leaves, and I'm glad from an Essendon point of view, and for Joe to be fair, that he is leaving. And it's not a disaster. It's a great opportunity for the club to have a reset, to rebuild, to get some elite talent in. It's clearly not a catastrophe. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Also interested to hear from the Carlton fans as well. Is your list rebuild now done? Or are you still missing a key midfielder? Williams, Saad come in to bolster the back line. I know you're thinking about playing Williams as a midfielder. I'm not convinced that's going to work. I still think the Blues are one midfielder short. You can have your say as well. And if there's any Collingwood supporters that want to gloat to me this morning and rub egg in my face, I'm more than happy for you to do that as well. Get involved and join in the conversation. Also, take your Friday certainty which George has got one for us. G'day to you, George. Thanks for kicking us off. G'day, Kane. Long time no speak. Um, look, I think, personally, I think Collingwood. Collingwood, absolutely 101%. I think Geelong Certainly. showing signs towards... Yeah, 100%. And, and just like last year when we ended up squeeing square, I'll, I'll bet you two Cadbury family chocolate blocks again. <laughs> so I, I'm happy with that. I'm not sure if I ever paid up on the last one. Logistically, I think it was a bit hard to, to organise. I'm happy to put two Cadbury blocks of chocolate. I think Geelong are going to win. But as we've known in the last week, my tipping's been all off. So I think Geelong will win. George, you think Collingwood are your absolute certainty gold clad. If you've got one for us, put yourself on the line, have your say, and who's your certainty for the weekend? Tom's on the line. He wants to chat about that issue off the top. Adam Saad, Tom, uh, what's your take on that? Just firstly, Kane, it's about time we got someone with sense behind the microphone. We've had these alarmist Matthew Lloyd and Sam never seen a premiership McClure trying to drag blokes from Essendon to Carlton. Mate, this is the best thing that's ever happened to the club. We're losing two blokes that didn't want to be there. We're losing a bloke that doesn't want to play on Charlie Cameron. That's just toxic at the club. So all the toxicity's coming out. We're bringing in you. I'm very. This is. I've been saying this for two years. Kane, person to do this, and number. A last thing I'd like to say, Kane. Carlton are the only team out of the Big Four that haven't won a premiership in the 2000s, brother. Have a good Bang. day. There you go, Tom. Carlton fans, respond. This is what we do. We open it up. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Tom, I, I'm with you. I don't think it's the disaster that it's been made out to be. I'm not denying there's issues, and, and clearly. There is some issues of discontent amongst the playing group, and that's Ben Rutten's and Xavier um, Campbell's uh, challenge to write that and get it right. And Dan Richardson was on SEN with Bob and Andy, and he fronted up and answered the difficult questions. And I think they would admit there's some issues culturally at the Bombers. But what I'm saying is it can be fixed, and this is a great opportunity to reset. And Danaher leaving, Saad leaving. Yeah, I, I would have loved to have kept Saad, no doubt. But... There's warning signs. And if you can turn a second-round pick into a top-ten pick for a player who's three years older, let's not pretend it's a disaster. It's not. Andrew is on the line. He wants to speak about the Bombers as well. Good morning to you, mate. Gordon, uh, uh, you, you, you do make some sense. I think that... And, and, and Tom should be given a, a prize because I was a, it was an excellent uh, call from him. Um, look, I, I, we're on a roller coaster, some supporters. You know, like we're torn... Because we haven't won a final since... 2004, we haven't done anything since 2000, really. 
um, Essendon people are getting frustrated because um, you know you, re- you you get the promise of a rebuild. You get you know they brought Sard in with a, you know um, um, and we and we won him over Carlton. We were very happy about that when he selected Essendon over Carlton. Uh, Danaher, the name Danaher is, is is famous at Essendon, so there's a bit of uh, romanticism. Yeah, I understand Danaher that and all that. But the thing is. Um, Yes, we, if now my concern is the disgruntledness within the club. Um, now, is it because the players are basically told point blank, you play it our way or the highway, and they're not happy with that, uh, or is something more deeper than that? Now, they, they, they might need an external review in relation to the culture stuff, but then it's no good going to the draft and picking players up, and then in a, one or two years, those players want to leave either. So it's very critical they get their house in order, mm. go to the draft. They're going to get three good picks, you know, eight, nine and ten, more than likely, if they play their cards right. And then, you know, um, if, if they can pick those, get some really good players in, can we, we're, we're about six players short. Uh, we're, we're lucky. Yeah, I, but I, think, I, think, I think it can it can turn quickly, is what I'm saying. Like, oh, I don't expect Essendon to play finals next year. And, and with information, your opinion changes. So, you know, if if Danaher was flying and he was a 60-goal forward like he um, he had the potential to be or was three seasons ago, then, uh, and you do get the players staying, you're able to convince some others to come, you've got Dylan Scheel in, th- then the information is different to what it is now. But the facts change, so your opinion changes on where the Bombers are at. I think now is the right opportunity for them to have a reset. You look at their top six in the best and fairest of Bombers, they're all players under the age of 25. Like, so it's it's not the disaster, the catastrophe that it's been made out to be. And I just think it's a great opportunity to look at what Fremantle have done to bring the young talent in, and all of a sudden you think, gee, this club's building. And, and yes, it, there's a lot of ifs with it, and there's a lot of cultural issues, and is Ben Rutten the guy? I'm not answering that. I'm clearly responding to what has been a massive overreaction to two players that have left, one of which has played 15 games in three seasons. And the other, you're going to turn a second-round draft pick into a top-ten pick. And he doesn't want to play the role that the coach wants him to play. And the other one's a player who's played 11 games on average in the last three seasons. It's one of the biggest overreactions to a club that I've ever seen. And I'm not denying there's issues. But on that information, significant overreaction. Luke wants to join in the discussion on Essendon. Morning to you, Luke. G'day, Kane. Thanks for taking my call, mate. Couldn't agree with your uh, opening segment anymore. I think uh, that's right. Let's look at it as a positive. I think that the club, yeah, needs to... If they don't want to be there, move them on. I think if there's any more, which I reckon if, if are you here in Hooker and Hurley are unhappy, if they're not happy, mate, put your hand up, get a pick for them and move them on. It's exactly right. So, so Hooker's, like, Hooker's not even in the team towards the, the last bit of the season. He's 31 years of age. Hurley, you know, is in their best team at the moment. But once again, is he going to be there for the next premiership? If they want to go as well, I'll come on here and say that's not a catastrophe either. It would be an issue if, you know, if, if Ridley put his hand up and, and he wanted to go. Francis said, oh, I'm, out, I'm out. And then if Merritt says, I'm out, then, then we've got some issues. And then the facts change. But right now, um, I'm with you, Luke. It's a great opportunity to to reset the club and get some youth in and re-energise a group that needs it. Just just one quick thing about the Joe Danaher story was that a lot of things have been reported. They should have taken two first-round picks last year from Sydney. 
it can categorically say they were never, there was never two first round picks offered. Sydney never had them. They had pick five and they only had pick nine if Papley left for Carlton. Dodoro and Charlie Gardner from Sydney have both said that and everyone's ringing up the radio. You should have taken it away. Got it. You can't take it because it was never there. (laughs) Pretty hard to give up pick nine when you don't even have it. So, so once again, that's, that's a bit of a myth as well, uh, on that one. Um, in hindsight, should they have done that deal? Yes. But, uh, I'm not going to be critical of the club for trying to turn around a player as well and them not having a deal that was satisfactory because, as you say, they didn't even have that pick. Good call, Luke. Uh, Ross is in East Melbourne. Uh, you want to speak about the Bombers as well, Ross? No, uh, agree with your take, mate. I don't support Essendon, but I sort of see Essendon as having a bit of a, uh, a bit of a sort of a meltdown over nothing and a bit of a weak underbelly. Like I, like, I'm not a Hawthorne fan either, but I've, I've look at a side like Hawthorne. In the last 30 years, Hawthorne have literally retired Michael Tuck, Gary Ayres, Richie Vandenberg, um, Sam Mitchell, effectively, Jordan Lewis, Luke Hodge, Jared Ruffhead, now Ben Stratton. All those guys are either multiple premiership players and captains of the club and some were even captains when they basically were told that they're not going to get another contract and they were retired. And no one really sort of seems to bat an eyelid there. So I think that's mm. the difference between probably a winning culture where you want to improve and a culture like Essendon where you're kind of still stuck in the past a little bit and, and footy has changed. And as you say, if a guy like Adam Starr doesn't want to be there, you know, as good of a footballer as he is, as you say, you sent a, a second-round draft pick a couple of years ago into a first-round draft pick. Look at St Kilda. They drafted three blokes in the first round three years ago and they're all playing in the semi-final tonight and they're, they're good young players for them. So I can turn quickly. Like, oh, I just don't see the, the mass hysteria about what's wrong at Essendon because other clubs have, other clubs have turfed out players before. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. The best example, I think, is is Brisbane, and you know, they, they were labelled a basket case. I mean, we're, we're talking you know, six years ago. And look how quickly, I mean, six years seems a long time, but they've turned it around in the space of basically four years to the point where they're two games away from winning a premiership. It can happen quickly if you get the culture right. Mick, we'll sneak you in, buddy. You're in Fitz, you're in Footscray. You want to speak about the Bombers as well? Yeah, just really quickly. Good, concise commentary there, Kane. I've got a few quick fixes for the Bombers, and I hope someone from Essen is listening here. Far Mate, Sard's gone. There's a space at uh, half-back. Take the captaincy off Heppel and put him back to his favourite position at half-back. He won a rising star there. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I believe that's his uh, best position. What do you think? Don't mind it. I'd be a bit concerned about his leg speed um, and how he would go back there. But, I mean, clubs have done that. Mitch, Sam Mitchell played the role pretty well across half-back and players have rejuvenated their careers. Uh, Boyd was a great one from the Bulldogs who you know, I reckon played another 100 games across half-back after being a midfielder. We've seen Pendlebury and I think Heppel's the closest player to Scott Pendlebury that I think. You know, not to the level of Pendlebury, of course, but he's played half-back as well. Good ball user with the left foot. So, yeah, don't, don't mind it as long as his leg speed could cope with you know the 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 really speedy half forwards mick good on you buddy if the bombers are listening dyson heppel to half back we'll get to matt daniel darren tom and rob on the other side of this we're up and running on a massive captain's run this morning i don't give me tonight we'll talk from grabs it's just about getting around ben rutten's game plan this is purely uh, a culture issue of players not being happy not being content not sure the direction of the club not feeling like they're going to get any success there so for such a proud, proud club, this is one of the saddest days I think that um, I've ever been involved with. 
Matty Lloyd speaking on uh, Channel 9's Footy Classified on Wednesday night, taking your calls on all things that's caught your attention this week. And uh, Essendon has been a hot topic this morning. I'm saying the overreaction, or it has been a massive overreaction to the departures of Danaher, Saad and potentially Fantasia this week and could be a good thing for the club. Matt is in Heathmont. You want to speak about the Blues, where Adam Saad is heading to, mate. Good morning to you. Yeah, g'day, Kane. Um, I think that um, with the talk about the draft and that, I think that since 2015 we've built, you know, the Weedering, Harry Mackay, Charlie Curnow, um, and I think last year getting Martin and Nunes was good um, as well. Nunes, I think, I reckon he's going to replace Ed Curnow. Obviously, Ed being 30 mm-hmm. now, I think he's... um. Obviously, because like Ed and Unions, they're not the tallest guys, but they've got a big body that can take the hits and run the whole run the whole game, which I think is good. And Martin was some of the things he did on the on the footy field this year was a bit freaky. So I think Saad um, and Zach Williams would just tip that off, and I think we don't need to rely on the draft as much. So I guess think giving away that pick seven won't hurt us. Yeah, um, I think it would have to be a starting point, pick seven. Now, whether it lands just that as a straight swap, probably not. There'll be all sorts of swaps and things that go on in the modern trade period, but it has to be a starting point, that pick seven. I can't see there's a way that the, the club doesn't depart with that. Blues fans, is your rebuild complete, or are you still concerned that you may be just one midfielder short? Obviously, a lot is relying on, on Williams to be... Um, a viable option through the midfield. I'm not convinced of that. Just some breaking news through. Melbourne has signed Hawthorne assistant and former cult hero Adam Uze to its coaching panel for 2021. Adam Uze was down to the last three for the coaching job at the Crows. Uh, Gary Hocking, Matthew Nix and Adam Uze. And there was some talk that he may have got the nod for the Crows job. Highly impressive. So big signing for Melbourne. And I do want to get to Melbourne shortly. And we will do that at some point throughout the morning. But at the moment, we're dictated by your calls, which is the way we like it. Daniel's in Hampton. The Don's Daniel. Um, what's your thoughts? Uh, Brisbane supporter, and look, I see you soon. Probably touched on it as well. Sold a bit of my thunder, but you know, clearing it out and um... just hang there, mate. We'll get back to you after the news. Nailed it as always, Gibbsy. Now, but I rudely cut Daniel off before as we had the, the heart out to the news. Daniel, you're a Brisbane fan, but you want to speak about the Bombers. Uh, sorry about that, mate. Continue. No, you're right. You're from South Australia, Kane. I forgive you. So, and, uh, just um, yeah, I was talking about Brisbane and Essendon. I see. Um, They've probably got in similar situations. Uh, if they clear it out, get rid of the toxicity, um, bring in some new leadership. I think Essendon are really lacking leadership. Um, they probably have been for a few years, I think. You know, Dustin Heppel's a great player, probably done his best. But I really think that Ben Stratton's still got a role in a club like Essendon or, or Carlton, where they could bring in from that winning culture, um, a backroom that could sort of cover them because they've got a lot of youth around them. As you said, Essendon's top uh, six in the best and fairest under 25. So some real leadership and direction would probably elevate them to the next level. And if you look around, probably Stratton would be um, somebody that you might sort of want to call on for a year or two just to fill that void and, and bring some culture into the club that um, and both of the clubs really that could help them sort of break into the eight and into the finals and, and be successful for years to come. It's an interesting, yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? The, the Luke Hodge type role, um, who would be suited to that at the Bombers? I mean, there, there's some names around. Daniel's throwing up Ben Stratton. Um, some would say, you know, is Heath Shaw a guy that can can come in and 
um, shows some leadership across half-backs, similar in that Luke Hodge role. Um, so if you've got a name, Bombers fan, I, I don't mind that suggestion at all, Daniel. Um, and the role of the playing slash assistant coach is going to be vital because that money is taken up in the salary cap and not the soft cap, which has been smashed. So don't mind it at all. Send through your suggestions of players, experienced ones that cost you nothing to get but could have a significant on- and off-field role like Ben Stratton. Uh, Darren's in Sorrento. You also want to speak about the Bombers, mate. Yeah, hi, Kane. Um, you're the only commentator that's, that hit, hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, Danaher was always going to go. Um, Fantasia was going to go to South Australia a couple of years ago. He wanted to go, so he was always going to go. And in, in Saad, he's basically what I've heard. He's basically going to Connor McKenna and really wanted to hold the club to ransom to play a bit more on the flank, up the wing, and possibly a little bit of Fantasia spotting in, in the forward pocket. And, and Bombers have sort of stood their ground and said, no, you've got to play. Mm. Your cut doesn't work like that. You've got to play what we say. And you sort of cracked them a bit. That's, that's what I've heard. Yeah, well, that's what uh, Tom Morris wrote a great article for those that missed it on on Fox Sports as well, and and went right behind the pretty balanced view on both sides, the Saad camp, also the Essendon camp, and from a Carlton perspective as well. I'm also a little reluctant to hand out five year deals at seven hundred grand for halfback flankers. I mean, that's I mean that sounds harsh, and there's always exceptions to the rule and. He's a very, very good footballer, but he's, he's five years at 700. Now, Carlton have to pay it because you've got to pay a lot to get him out. And is it 650, 700? Not sure. But I'm a little bit reluctant to be handing out those massive offers as well. Uh, good on you, Darren. Thanks for your thoughts. Let's get to Tom, who wants to uh, have a crack back at one of the earlier callers. Tom, what got you fed up? Yeah, I am, Mr. Volcano. Uh, love your show, mate. Um, that bloke talks about history that we haven't played in any grand final in the 2000s. Okay, mate, you know, we've had our hard times through bad recruiting, fall on our sword, well, did the crime, did the time. We're on the upward scale, mate. Mate, if he wants to talk about history, what about the final about eight, nine years ago when we biffed them by 15 goals? But I don't go talking about it, mate. And because we've been knocking them over when we've been the bottom four side, how many times? It obviously irks him. Hopefully, mate, we're on the upward scale and then on the decline and he's just got to face it. I love the rivalry. I love the Essendon Carlton rivalry. Um, on display this morning, heaps of texts coming through as well. Keep those coming. Uh, Lockie is in Beaconsfield, the Bombers, Lockie. Yeah, how are you, mate? First Good, mate. Oh, great. Welcome um, to the I'll, show. Nah, cheers. Thank you. Um, I'm going to give you my opinion, and I'd love to get your thoughts as well. So with the four boys and... Uh, including Fantasia and McKenna leaving Essendon, supposedly that frees up around $1.5 million in the in the cap space. And then obviously we should have three uh, top top round draft picks. I think Essendon really need to get, obviously, a key forward to fill the void because I don't really want to be running around with this. Uh, no offence against Stuart, but I don't think he's the key man to yep. hold the four line. And I'd rather, obviously, a half-backer to fill the void and a big-body mid. But that half-back flanker, I think, could be Rory Atkins. Um, I don't mind him, and he's obviously uh, expressed his interest to leave. But what would you do with the $1.5 million in the draft picks? Would you buy a key forward and a half back, or would you go to the draft to get those? What would you do? Well, the, the player that I, I want Essendon to go for uh, and to, to replace Danaher is, is Ben King for me. Um, th- that's who, whether you, whether you stockpile some picks, um, whether you stockpile the money, he is a player. I'll be prepared to pay big money for. So contracted until the end of 2022 at Gold Coast, 
I'd be starting now. And some talk that Geelong have been in a Jeremy Cameron for 18 months. I'd be starting right now for Essendon. That's that's the one player who I'd have my eye on, uh, and that is Ben King to the Bombers. I think that is that is you know a possibility for them to be able to just put a ridiculous offer to him. Not a ridiculous offer, but an offer too good to be re- refused from him. That's that's the one guy I'd go after. And for now. I'll just be resetting with with talent through the draft. I don't think, you know, Rory Atkins, I think you mentioned, I think he's off the Gold Coast. I think he's you know committed to a four-year deal there. But it's going to be a lot of good players or goodish fringe players on the edge. If list sizes come down and we're seeing players get delisted, there's going to be opportunities for, you know, for, for some opportunity for some players to come to Essendon and fill those spots that you speak of. Thanks for your call, Lockie in Beaconsfield. First-time caller. Loved your thoughts. Uh, Darren's in Brisbane. Um, you want to speak about the Lions, Darren? Yeah, mate, if I can. Look, there's a lot of discussion up here on the on the social media stuff about whether we lose McStay and the effect of Danaher. And, can I just ask you this question, mate? I, I see the three boys. If they play Danaher, um, Hipwood and McStay, and I'm not saying they're all in the same category, but I see that a little bit like Lynch being the Danaher out of the square, Brown having the, the McStay crash the packs and Hipwood playing the Bradshaw Hit, hit up forward out, out of the 50 arc, maybe. But then for that to all happen, Oscar would probably go back into the ruck full-time and maybe step mm. retired or reduces to a one-year, because he's one-year deal, a reduced contract and maybe delist Archie. Um, what's your thoughts on the three big boys playing? Do you think that they most of the early 2000 line front line? Yeah, to, and do they need? Did they need Danaher? I mean, if you, I mean, I know Richmond went after Lynch after they were pretty successful and, and topping up. He's similar-ish to Hipwood, isn't he? I mean, the size, the the dimensions of him, and the way he moves. So one just has to play high, and I think I think both are capable of doing that. Uh, I, I would my preference would be for Hipwood to play higher, uh, like Franklin has done at times. Now Franklin's been a, a mid twenty disposal guy throughout his career, and Hipwood's the closest thing that I've seen to Buddy. Don't shoot me down, I'm not saying he's Buddy, but the closest thing to Buddy. So I think Hipwood can play right up the ground on the wings, not dissimilar to the way that Tom Lynch plays at Adelaide as that connector, and takes that pressure off him from being a you know a three or four goal forward, and then Danaher plays deeper, and as you stay, I think I think Mick stay and Danaher can function. So it's not a bad fit. It's not perfect for me, but I guess the thought is let's just bring as much talent into the group and we'll work it out uh, at the moment. They've got a pretty big prelim final to work through, but it's a big signing. And the other factor is can they get his body right as well? Um, we'll get to Darren and Pete on the other side of this. It is 20 minutes to 10 o'clock if you're on SENSA in Adelaide. It's 10 minutes past nine. We've got a big show coming up as well. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Lines are available if you want to jump on and have your say. Very good morning to you. Up and running, dominated the discussion uh, has been the Essendon Football Club and heaps of texts coming through as well. Apologies, we can't read all of them, but um, there's a few coming through saying you're spot on, Kano. Finally, someone speaking sense. On top of that, we might even get uh, the satisfaction of seeing Carlton. Um, uh, we won't go there. Kane, you've hit the nail on the head. We need to conduct a mini rebuild and can do it if we capitalise on these trades, says Sam. Um Great info, mate. Can you give your take on North Melbourne, please? I'm a North supporter, says Gavin. Are a couple of those. Pete's on the road. He's been waiting patiently. Ben King to the Bombers, uh, Pete. Uh, I'm saying he's a player that they should be targeting now. What's your thoughts? Yeah, well, firstly, on the Lloyd comment, it reminded me of the, was it the Demetrio comment, or who made the comment when the uh, drug scandal broke out at Essendon about the darkest day in 
in football or in Australian sport. It sounded, it had uh, remnants of that comment, just the way he put that forward. Um, now, on the Ben King one, although I like the way you think, I really like the way you think laterally, given uh, AFL's, uh, the AFL's, I guess, uh, uh, ownership of clubs like that, or, or the way they're trying to build off all those uh, satellite clubs, uh, what is the chances that it's actually more than likely going to pull the uh, other brother, Addison Kilda, and get him up to Gold Coast as well, rather than try and break down Gold Coast? So I'm thinking the AFL would never allow it to happen, but I like the way you think, mm. Kate. Well, they let their captain, Tom Lynch, go, didn't they? So the AFL couldn't stop that from happening. So, um, yeah, and, and St Kilda will be in the mix as well. I mean, uh, of course, they would be maybe, if he was going to leave, would be the obvious place for Ben King to go. But I just think he would be the perfect um, age to join the Bombers. They would have the funds to be able to do it. And I think he's the perfect fit. Now, you know, a lot of, a lot has to happen. Um, but I'm just thinking, you know, he's the one player that I'd have definitely have my eye on, along with a number of others. Uh, another Pete is in Gladstone Park. Uh, you want to speak about a draft rumour, Pete? What do you got for me? Yeah, listen, uh, Ken, good morning. Uh, uh, Adam Saad and Marty Gleeson to Carlton for pick seven and Paddy Dale. Second round, round draft picks a bit of trade radio action this morning. We'll be all over that when that kicks off on November the 4th. So that's a deal that you would look at. Also, another one here, David, um, just whilst we're on this draft situation and what Essendon may be able to get for Adam Sard. You've got something for us, Dave. I've heard that. Um, how you going, Kane? Good. I heard that uh, Charlie Kerno could be the one that builds it. Oh, bang. I'd do that in a heartbeat. If I was an Essendon fan, I would do that in a heartbeat. But they may tear down the, sta- uh, the stands at Icon Park if that's the case. Um, gee, I rate Charlie Kerner. I'm so angry is the wrong word. I'm so frustrated at him for getting hurt uh, when he shouldn't have had to uh, play in basketball. Were a ridiculous situation. But seeing him play some, some unbelievable footy, uh, I, lo- I even like him as a midfielder. So I... I wouldn't be doing that if I was Carlton. Um, I'd be I'd be looking at some of the other forwards that they've got on their list. If there was one that had to be squeezed out, I wouldn't be doing Charlie. I think the Bombers fans would love that. What do you reckon, Carlton and Essendon fans? Charlie Kerno for Adam Sard, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Rob's in Greenvale. Let's switch clubs and speak about North Melbourne because there's a fair bit of action off the field happening there. Rob, what's your take on the Kangaroos? Confused, Kane. You know, um, no one's come out to uh, really talk to our supporters about the club. Then you hear that uh, Reece Shaw needs a mentor to uh, help him coach and all that. So that gives me alarm bells. You know, he's cut out for the job. Uh, just a drastic cut. The players that are left are all thinking of leaving as well. So who's going to guide our young blokes? You know, we've got some good little players there, but who's going to guide them? Mm, I've been having sort of this debate on Footy Classified with with Caro and Lloydy. Yeah. I Once again, I'm not as... Well, I just think it's the moves that had to happen now. I think Lordy and Caro, and they make a good point, are saying, well, you can't get rid of all the senior experience. But North Melbourne, I think, have been delusional for five or six years with the state of their list and where they're at. The good news for me is they finally understand that their list is no good and they have to rebuild and it's been significant and it's not dissimilar to what Adelaide have done. So there's going to be a significant amount of pain that comes with that. 
but at least they understand where they are now at. So there's no talk of topping up and Dom Tyson and Aaron Hall and Jasper Pittard and Pollock. Ridiculous. At least they know where they're at. That's the positive if you're going to be glass half full at North Melbourne. Uh, John's in Taylor's Lakes. Uh, Patrick Cripps needs some help, Johnny, but you've also got another suggestion. Yeah, I don't know whether uh, supported by and Paddy Cripps is a great footballer, and I think um, I think Carlton are killing his body for a bloke his size. Um, I think they should work on strengthening the midfield without Paddy Cripps. I think he would be a sensational key position player up forward. Um, he kick goals, and his creativity creativity and the way he reads the play up forward, he could control the board line and um, I just think he's too big and he's having too many injuries trying to do two in a six foot five body, mate. That's just my opinion and yeah, I do like Paddy Chris as a player. So do I. Yeah, so do I. He's done a, just done a power of work over the last five and six years and um, the workload's been massive and he's carried that midfield for far too long. So, you know, if you're looking at what Justin Longmuir at Fremantle did with, with Nat Fife and to a lesser extent Michael Walters and settled them forward and gave midfield minutes to the younger group, um, that may be the benchmark. The, the issue with Cripps is he only kicked seven goals for the year. And I know he's inaccurate, but I think to be able to train him as a forward through the preseason and work on that craft, there could be big benefits there. Don't, don't mind where you are coming. Margaret in Sunbury, welcome to you. It's been a long time. Margaret, good morning. Good morning, Kate. That viewer saying, he's almost given me a heart attack. <laughs> Charlie Kernahan... Kerno going to uh, Essendon? No, it's not on. I'll pull the place down brick by brick if they've done that. <laughs> I thought you might. I thought you might be a bit upset about that, but um, it's all happening, uh, Margaret. Uh, so you've got Saad. Williams is coming in. Is this the year where Carlton can launch into finals? Yes, they can. They can. This, this is. I, I didn't think it would happen, but it can happen this year. Next season. Mm. Mm, I think so. What do you think, Kane? Um, I've been hard on Carlton, as you know, and you and I have gone back and forth on this. It's it's looking in the right direction, and, and it has to. What, what what now, I think, comes with, with some pressure, and that's fine. You put yourself out there, um, you go and get these players, you sign them up, McGovern and some others coming in, and the development of the group. They're under, they're under some pressure to do that, but I think that's a good problem to have. Still think maybe one short in the midfield. But, Margaret, lovely to speak to you. She will tear down the stands if Charlie Kierno leaves the Blues. Aaron, let's quickly sneak you in, mate. Back to the Bombers. Your thoughts? Uh, thank you very much, Kane. Uh, yeah, I, don't know, I don't know why. Um, no one has said about um, Essendon getting Alex Witherden out of Brisbane, who is very highly rated and is a very good kick of the ball, so he could uh, replace Sardor McKenna off half-back. And also, for Danaher, uh, make Brisbane trade. And take Brisbane's first pick, and they've got the first pick of the second round, I think. Mm-hmm. Make a trade, force a trade. Can match that um, offer, the free agency offer, because he's a restricted free agent, and force a trade, which I'm sure um, would be in the back of their mind. We'll get to Rob and Darren on the other side of this. It's seven minutes to ten. Temper text is 0433981116. We can uh, get to Rob in Bendigo. Adam Saad, Rob, he's leaving. Uh, what's your takeaways from that? Oh, okay. Um, I just wanted to make the point that um, if Duro plays hardball with Carlton over the pick seven, if he wants more than pick seven, 
Well, five could go actually go into the AFL draft where they recruit all the kids, and they could just give them pick seven then anyway for that. So yeah. So I, I mean, it's not even about the end of the year draft. It's about that that AFL draft. I mean, pick seven seems to be, you know, pretty much as good as Tadora could get out of that deal. Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's going to get anything more than pick seven. I think, in fact, I don't think it'll be seven. Just a straight swap. I think seven will be involved, but there'll be some, you know, exchanges back and forth. But still, a pretty quality pick. Turning the second round pick they gave up for him three years later into a top ten pick. If that's why it plays out, uh, Darren, can you make your point in thirty seconds, mate? Sorry to be be brief. Kano, I'm telling you, bombers, the Doro should pull their pull their finger out, and they should have locked what they did last year with Danaher. They played hardball. They need an Isaac Heaney in their team. Someone that, that's not getting a run in the Sydney midfield and can go forward and prove that he can kick goals. Essendon should be going for Isaac Heaney. Isaac Heaney, the man, says Darren. Keep those suggestions coming through. Stick on the line, Baz and Brett. We've got a big couple of hours in the captain's run coming up next. Uh, good morning. It's been a big hour, first hour of the show, dominated by the discussion out of Essendon. I'm saying a complete overreaction to the departures of Saad, Danaher and potentially Fantasia. I just think it is not the catastrophe it's been made out to be. We'll take your calls on that if you'd like to. Also, your Friday forecast, your certainty for the weekend and who is under the most pressure with the most at stake. But let's get to this because a massive semi-final is on tonight. Metricon Stadium, of all places, sees Richmond taking on the Saints. Couple of changes for the Tigers. Broad, Lynch is back in. Arts and Chole have been omitted. And for the Saints, Jonathan Marsh, Josh Battle, Shane Savage. In for the suspended Ben Long. Jake Carlisle's having a baby. And Paddy Ryder ripped his hammy off uh, the bone, unfortunately. One of the former stars of St Kilda, a man who played in 200 games, including 15 finals, is our next guest. Justin Kaczynski joins us. Cozzy, thanks for your time. Cozzy, how are you, buddy? I'm good, mate. Uh, finals footy, how good? And how good to see your side back involved at the business end? Oh, it's fantastic, mate. It's just so good it's come around after the year everybody's had. And, mm. you know, I think it's credit to the AFL that has just kept it going. And so good for the fans to see some finals footy and some, some amazing matches. You know, the, the Dogs and the Saints last week was a nail-biter and they got through the boys and uh, they get another crack at it tonight, which is just going to be so good for their development. We'll get onto that shortly. Can I ask you how, how you're holding up? You roll the Gold Coast Suns, of course, a lot of coaches affected by that. Where do you come to us from this morning and, and what have you been up to? Um, I'm back on the farm, mate. I've gone back to the family farm. So obviously with the COVID and, you know, losing the job at the Suns was, was disappointing. But, um, yeah, it was a great experience for a couple of years. I really enjoyed it. I, I spent five years out of footy um, and freshened up. And, and I, yeah. I, I love being back involved in the footy club environment and working with some great young kids like Benny King and, uh, and all these guys. So, um, yeah, just, just back on the family farm gearing up for a big harvest, helping my brother out and then sort of reassess and hopefully hopefully get back involved with footy and the Saints somehow next year. But uh, yeah. like everyone, mate, I'm just sort of waiting for everything to be, become a bit more normal and, you know, hopefully Melbourne can open up and, and get back down there and, you know, like I think like everyone, I'm just hoping to see some footy in Melbourne. Well said. So you leave 
school basically and head straight into the system. You know, spend 13, 14 years in the AFL system and then still involved. But what's it, what's it been like heading back to the farm? Has it been a shock to you or have you just picked it up like, like you never left? No, it's a good question, mate, because I, I sort of I haven't spent this much time at home for 20 years, you know, since I, I left school. So it's been a, a really good grounding experience for me. Um, you know, go back and re, re-engage with the local community and uh, life's pretty simple. You know, get out and do a job and being back with my family and, and friends and uh, it's, it's, been, it's been really good, actually. Probably a blessing in disguise and... Um, but it's not forever. Um, as I mm. said, I hope, hopefully get back involved with footy and everything opens up again and uh, get back to Melbourne. Well, we mentioned your Saints. The last final prior to last weekend was 2010, which you played in, of course, with that fantastic 2010 season for the Saints. Um, have, you, have you watched them closely at St Kilda and is there still that, that love and affection for, for the club that had such a big role in your life? Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's, it feels like home to me, and I watch yeah. them with great interest. And uh, you know, it's just it's been so good to see them take take the footy world on. Like I remember, uh, I, I was down in Melbourne after I think it was just after round one, the first COVID sort of hit, and I, I was at the club and I went and watched them train. And uh, rats rats came out, and I had a yarn with him. I said, you know, what are you? Uh, what are you, how are you going to go about this? And he said, look, mate, we, we just haven't had a lot of time to repair. I'm just going to let them play. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you've seen that. They've been a really high-scoring, take-it-on uh, sort of team with, with Hilly and um, Dan Butler and these sort of guys. And they just uh, they have got a bit of spunk about them and they, they take it on and they've scored heavily and they've got themselves into a, into a second final. So if you're looking at, you know, the way that they could beat Richmond and, and they did knock them off round four, I think it was pretty convincingly back at Marvel Stadium. That's how long ago. It was the speed that got them on the outside and Hill, you mentioned, had a big game. Small forwards have been a real weapon for them. Would that be yeah. the message, you think? You're just going to have to go. You're going to have to take some risks. You're going to have to score and use your legs and your speed tonight. I think that's the only way, Cornsy. I, I, I think, uh, you know, they've, they've got some massive outs. Um, I, I just don't. Unfortunately, I don't know how they're going to contain Lynch and Rewalt without without Jake Carlisle in there. And, and Paddy Wright, who was instrumental last week, he's a big out. And uh, Benny Long sort of gives a bit of hardness around the ball, and unfortunately he'll miss. But they're just going to have to throw caution for the wind. I don't think they can try and defend or save the game. Uh, they just, you know, just chuck it all out there and see what happens. Well, you know, what have they got to lose? Mm, no, absolutely. Well said. I guess regardless, it's been a pretty successful season for them and an ability to set it up for sustained success at St Kilda. Do you think that's the case? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, yeah. I, I'm obviously not privy to the inner sanctum or the inner mm. workings, but the, the people I do speak to that have still got heavy involvement in there, have, have, they're really impressed with rats and they're impressed with the emergence of young players and um, it's it's certainly the best that they've looked um, since we played, I think, the last final. We, we got beaten by Sydney in 2011. So uh, it's great for the supporters. It's, it's great for the place. Uh, there's a real good feel about it. And, you know, if they go down, it, you know, mate, they could get up tonight. You, you just don't know. Yeah. They've got that... They've got that about them. They've got some. Uh, they've got some spunk, and if they they get over the line, amazing. If they get into a prelim, but if not, it's, it's still been a successful year. I feel. Take us back to your memories of finals. You know, we both involved in a pretty high, intense 2004 prelim final at Adelaide at Footy Park that could have gone either way. Your memories of playing. I mentioned you played in 15 of them and some big games. 
Um, yep. Can you can you reflect on that? Yeah, that 04 prelim, mate, that obviously we played in, my, my memories of it that we got off to a, a cracking start and big phrase, kicked his hundreds and everyone That's sort it. of, everyone uh, come out of the ground. And I, I just remember all, all the boys were like telling supporters to get off the ground, get off, we've got the momentum, we're up and about. And it sort of, it halted it and you guys got back in and then it was, it was a war of attrition, one night, and then, you know, we're yeah. in it. I think from memory, Wangers might have just kicked one from the boundary or he kicked something pretty special and, and put you guys in front late in the game and it went down to the wire and um, it's always good to be involved in those sort of games. Mm. And then, I guess, the heartbreak of 2010, I know you've spoken about it a lot, but how often would you re- reflect on that or is it something that you've just put to the back of your mind? Oh, mate, it, it is heartbreaking. Like, don't get me wrong. It's uh, you know you played to lose a grand final, and it's it's there's, there's no worse feeling really as, as a footballer. Um, and and the the 2010 the draw, I'm 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 really um, I'm really grateful that I got to be a part of that. Um, and then it, it not going our way, but that that game was just so intense. And you know you think of. Uh, Guardy going down after, before half time, and you know I got I got to play in the ruck and watch firsthand Lenny throw himself on the ball like mm. you know he was throwing himself on it like hand grenades and one of Norm Smith and but a bizarre feeling, mate. When it, you know a hundred thousand people standing out of their chairs at the top of their voice, you can hardly hear yourself think, and then the siren goes and it's dead silence, and you're just thinking to yourself, yeah. well, I think we've got to come back and do this all again, and it's yeah. just like. You know, it's, it's a bizarre feeling, but um, yeah, re- really proud to have played in it and uh, grateful. And uh, you know, there's always something missing that we, we didn't get one. Justin Kaczynski, former St Kilda legend, joining us ahead of their uh, pre- uh, sorry their semi final against Richmond tonight. So premiership teams catch up regularly in you know, ten years, five years, whatever it is. Is there a core cool group of you guys that still catch up and reflect and stay in touch? Yeah, we've got a really strong group. We're all on a text message together, about 30 of us, and we have a uh, we have a catch-up every year. Um, you know, that even Rossi's involved in the coaching staff, and, you know, we get 30 or 40 every year. We've sort of had it uh, prelim, prelim uh, Friday. Every year we've caught up at the pub and, and had a feed, and it's like a great reunion. Like, the great thing, Cornsy, is that we didn't win a flag, but the respect that everybody's got for that era and that team. And, and, and the thing that with those grand finals, we can, you know, we lost to Geelong by a kick and then drew one. So you, you couldn't get much closer. And the, the respect that everyone, that they gave it all, we threw the kitchen sink at it, um, is still there. There's no there's no animosity. There's no blame games like you should have done this, you should have done that, when you, you sort of sometimes see with, with grand final loss, losses. But um, it is a really tight group and lifelong mates and... Uh, you know, you know, as you know, footy clubs is so so great to have. Um, now in in retired life, it's still good to have those connections. How good's that? Uh, how have you enjoyed that man Ross Lyons work in the media? And do you think you could or should coach again? Oh, mate, I, I, I love him. You know, he's yeah. obviously sometimes he can be a polarising person, but you know, he he wound us up to run through brick walls. That bloke, and he was just so passionate and loyal to his players and. Um, you know, he got us going and, and we, you know, the boys still speak regularly. He comes over and we go out for a feed and uh, he, he's so funny. I reckon he's the funniest man alive in the media and, and, and I think he's, he's a brilliant coach. He's a very intelligent man. He's a very good motivator um, and, and I'd love to see him get another gig, absolutely. 
So would I. Um, you can speak uh, pretty closely about the Paddy McCartan situation. News that he wants to return, Cosy. Obviously, there's some some bridges that he needs to cross for that to make it happen. You had a, a really nasty one, and a couple of others that have been well documented in relation to concussion. Is it? Is there any advice you would give him? And I guess how tricky is the situation for the AFL and also for Paddy and his family to come back and put yourself at risk again? Yeah, it's a tough one, and I've got to be really careful because I, I, I'm not privy to yeah. to what's going on with him and, and and the medical advice that he's getting and his family or whatever. But you know, from, from the outside, I'd really encourage him if he's had this long out and he hasn't felt right at some stage. He's still a young man, and I, I'd I'd really encourage him just to life is is very long, and footy's only a small part of your life, and you know, brain injuries are. You know, they, they can be, you know, they're pretty terrible later in life. And, and you know, and I'm experiencing that firsthand. So I'd, I'd really encourage him to, to make a really intelligent decision and not go on. So you still do suffer some um, symptoms. Can can you tell us what, what they are and, and how much they impact yeah. you? Yeah, look, like I, I've got really bad memory loss sometimes and I can have mood swings and, and some really bad moods and, and down times and, and I've got no no doubt it's from it's mm. from uh, the concussions. I, I, I certainly feel after the after the Jerry hit oh six I I changed as a person. I really reckon it uh, it affected my personality and um, you know I've really got to watch myself and, and be careful um, be careful what I'm doing and really uh, really work on myself and it, it, no doubt it's had a big impact. Mm. Have the AFL supported you enough in that and also the Players Association? Yeah, look, the Players Association have been great. Um, there's, there's obviously some, some work going on behind the scenes and we sort of saw the breakthrough with uh, with Sean Smith and, you know, I don't know how far that's going to go, but, um, you know, and it was well documented that, that Spud, um, you know, was suffering some some uh, some brain injury or, or some post-stress from that sort of stuff, so... You know, it's really concerning later in life that these, you know, that players, it's, it's not so much now, and that's what Paddy will be looking at. He, he might feel fresh and fine now, but it's the long, long-term long impact and, you know, some of the guys that, that have had some big knocks into their 40s and 50s, and, you know, I'm certainly concerned about that. The older I get, the more, or the worse it's going to get. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just an ongoing thing, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it is concerning listening to you speak this morning. Um, taking me back a little bit. Um, can we can we finish on a lighter note, Cosy? Can can the boys do it tonight? Do you give them a chance? Absolutely, they, they are a massive chance, Cosy. They if they if they throw caution to the wind, which I think they will, and and play it on their terms. I think if they try and just stop and be defensive, and you know, I think Richmond's just got too many stars and too much firepower up forward, especially with Carlisle not playing to, to try and contain those big boys, but. If they just go out, you know, with the attitude and nothing to lose, crack in, use their speed and open the game up and score heavily, you know, we'll get our fingers crossed and, and see what happens. And it'll be amazing for the supporters that can't be there, um, that, that are longing for, for a bit of success and give um, everyone a bit of joy in what's been a really tough year. Good on you, mate. I really appreciate you reflecting with us this morning. A fascinating chat. I loved it. Uh, hopefully we can catch up soon. No worries, buddy. Good on you.
Justin Kaczynski, and the text machine has been flooded with unbelievable feedback uh, from that chat. Here's one of them. Justin is such a wonderful person, and his down-to-earth nature has certainly held him in great stead. He's so well-spoken and respectful. That one is from Adam. It's 18 minutes past 10 o'clock. You can get involved, as always, on 1300 736 736. Yeah, the French Open is getting towards the business stages as well with a marquee final still on the cards between Rafa, the number two seed, and Novak, the number one seed. We'll get to that shortly, but Brett Phillips joins us from the first service. Thanks to Yonex, who have launched their Naomi Osaka LTD edition E-Zone rackets, as used by her at the recent US Open. Limited release, uh, limited number available. You can check your local Yonex dealer. BP, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Kane. Nice to uh, chat. We'll get to that marquee matchup that potentially is on the cards. I know there's a few, still a few hoops to jump through there, but let's start with the women's side of things. A Polish teenager who I know nothing about, to the point where her last name is even really difficult to pronounce. Can you tell her about Iga Swiatek? Is that correct? I'll go. Uh, no, well, that, that's how you probably would say it. But yeah, tennis names are, are damn difficult, uh, Kane. But uh, Iga Sviontek is well, uh, how you pronounce it exactly. I think we're all going to be getting our tongue around it uh, a fair bit in the future. I mean, she's been you know building and building and building. You know, growing up on the clay courts of Poland, coming through the ITF tour, she won the Wimbledon Juniors. Uh, she's uh, been a name that's been on the radar throughout her junior career. You go back to the French Open. Uh, last year, when she made the fourth round, played Simona Halep, got towed up, but gee, a year on, she uh, beats Halep convincingly. I mean, she has steamrolled through this draw, Kane, has not dropped a set. The last person to win Roland Garros who didn't drop a set was the great uh, Justine Ennen, who won uh, seven Grand Slam titles. So, you know, she's got the uh, the offensive uh, brand of tennis that can be pretty destructive, and she's got... Uh, a really good defensive brand as well that she can scrap and fight and adjust and she's got a bit of touch and finesse and uh, she's just, um, you know, a, a great story. As someone that's, uh, you know, worked really hard to, uh, you know, be the best version and you've got to have, as you know, you've got to have a little bit of, you know, to get to elite sport and, and play at that level, you've got to have a little bit of swagger, a little bit of inner confidence. Mm. She's not cocky, but she uh, she feels like she belongs on the big stage, and it only takes a couple of breakthroughs, I suppose, just to you know get that confidence and vindication. What a story! She'll take on the American Sophia Kennan in the final tomorrow. Um, you give yeah. her a chance, clearly you do. Yeah, give her an absolute chance. In, in saying that, I mean Kennan is the best performed player in the Grand Slams this year. 16 matches and one loss at the US Open, won the Australian. Uh, she's been great here. She wasn't always a great clay quarter. And when she beat Serena at the French last year and then she went on to play Ash Barty, I think that was fourth round. But she got a lot of confidence out of that Serena win that I can actually play on the clay. I can slide, anticipate. Uh, she you know, uses the drop shot well. I mean, Kavitov is just sort of battering balls at her last night as she does with those big lefty uh, swings and uh, she's absorbed and then redirecting. Uh, you know, it's a nice sort of blend of tennis and she's just got a fierce desire to compete. She hates losing. Uh, she is uh, a, a born winner, really. And gee, if she could pick up two slams in a year, uh, the last person to do that on the women's tour was uh, Angie Kerber in 2016. So no female player has been able to get on a roll and actually win a couple of majors in a year. 
And tonight, from the men's side of things, a, a blockbuster as well. Schwartzman is in is in great form. He takes on Rafa. Rafa going for thirteen, I think it is, isn't it? So this will yep. be on with a potential matchup against Novak in the final. If that's the way that he goes against Sitsipas in his semi final the following day, so give us a landscape from the men's side of things. Well, yeah, the mentality of sport is fascinating, isn't it? You know, we, we see with the Lions last week, uh, they break that hoodoo against uh, Richmond and it gets that monkey off the back wall. You know, going into Rome a couple of weeks ago, it was uh, Schwartzman 0-9 uh, and nine against Nadal and he beats Rafa best of three to Masters 1000. Well, this is a totally different kettle of fish, as we know. This is Rafa's home turf, going for win 99. He owns Roland Garros, and it's best of five. And, uh, and Nadal, even if he's you know facing a deficit, you know losing that first set, will find a way to grind his way back. But hopefully, Schwartzman can take just that, a bit of confidence out of that last meeting. That yeah, if I can, if I can hit with good depth, and I can uh, just stretch Rafa a little bit, get him into some uncomfortable areas, and take my opportunities. Uh, you know, he, he might get his tail up. But, I mean, it's just so hard to go against Nadal. But I really hope that Schwartzman uh, just takes the game on and doesn't get anchored to the baseline. Uh, Djokovic-Sitsipas will be, I reckon, a good match, uh, Kane. I mean, 3-2 mm. Djokovic. Sitsipas has beaten him at a couple of Masters 1000, so never at a major. He's still wearing that neck tape. Uh, Novak, and there's been, you know, people uh, questioning whether he was uh, injured or not uh, with that timeout against Carino Busta. Uh, the Spaniard questioned that himself. But, yeah, look, I think Novak certainly gets through for the matchup that we probably all want. But uh, since he passed, uh, let's hope he keeps coming to the net. I mean, 94% of points he won at the net in his last match against Rublev. And let's hope he takes Djokovic on and we've got a, a pretty enthralling match. From a neutral uh, observer and a big fan of the sport, how, how have you seen their handling of it? It hasn't been without some controversy and criticism from the players, but not easy, clearly. Well, I think, you know, sport and sports administrators are going to learn a lot this year, and obviously the Australian Open is watching closely. But, yeah, if you do hear the players, compared to the New York battle, uh, bubble, this has been pretty loose uh, in terms of uh, who can come in and out of the quarantine hotels. Players, you know, when they're not playing, are allowed to go out and have a look at the Eiffel Tower or cruise around Paris, testing not as regularly. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, I don't know. I mean, they were so desperate to play the French that they just wanted to get this thing uh, up and running and, and make some money out of this year to pay for the renovations. But they haven't probably been as diligent as uh, certainly the US Open, which has concerned the players, particularly with the situation in France. But I think Australia, I mean, hats off to TA. They normally run a great Australian Open anyway, but I reckon they'll find a way maybe to do it better than anyone when the players do get down here to make sure it's uh, just without any hitches or any controversy. Before we let you go, we can't let you leave without giving us a winner on both sides. So we'll start with the female side of things. You know what? I'm going I'm to go with Iga Sviantik. I reckon this is, uh, wow. this is a good story. She hasn't dropped a set. If she can just hold her nerve, and maybe it might help that you know, 15,000 Parisians aren't going to be there. There's going to be a 1,000 spectators and maybe a few officials. Nadal, I mean, how do you go against Rafa? I, I think for Novak, though, if he could win two French, it would be significant, Kane, that Federer has only won one, Sampras hasn't won one, two of the greats. He's cherry ripe, Novak. He hasn't looked like losing this year, but I, I've got to stick with Rafa on the clay and uh, Iga Sviantek as a future star. Which would even up Rafa and Federer on 20 Grand Slams apiece. Uh, BP, thanks as always for your time, mate. Pleasure, Kane.
Just a list of those Grand Slam titles. Getting really interesting, particularly with a potential matchup between Rafa and Novak. So Roger's got 20, as I just said. Nadal's got 19, and Novak has 17. So um, this tournament is significant, considering Roger's not getting any younger. Uh, time now for the latest news with Meredith Gibbs. Okay, we'll start with the Tennessee Titans. Not good news coming out of Nashville today. Another player tested positive for COVID-19. That makes three in the last two days. There was an inconclusive test from yesterday. That also has been confirmed. So now three players on the COVID-19 list in the last two days. That makes in all 21 members of the Titans organization. Not ideal at all, the coronavirus situation sweeping through the NFL at the moment, causing some games to be postponed. So we thought, who better to get on than our man, Bonta Hill, host of the morning roast to talk all things American sport. Bonta, thanks for your time again. Oh, Kane, good to be on with you guys, man. Uh, Good to talk some football, some hoops, man. A lot going on in the sports world. Fair bit happening in the baseball world as well. We'll get to your Oakland A's very, very shortly. But can I start with the Tennessee uh, Titans? You just heard from Ian Rappaport with that um, piece yeah. of audio there. They can't get COVID free. What are the ramifications behind this and what needs to happen for them to get their season back on track? I mean, they need to isolate themselves, right? This is just ridiculous. Maybe you slap the Titans with some fines. Now, their game against the Buffalo Bills is scheduled. It was scheduled for Sunday. It's being moved to Tuesday night, 6 p.m. here in the States, as long as there are no more positive tests with the Tennessee Titans. As you mentioned, the numbers are staggering. If we knew there could be a situation like this in this football season, it's tough to isolate, you know, 53-man rosters plus the coaching staff, the scouting staff, the front office. But this is just utterly ridiculous. After having a week off last week against Pittsburgh and now the Steelers, they have to pay and play the rest of the season without a bye week. Schedules are getting shifted. You see New England now and the Denver Broncos. They're playing on Monday night. Ken Newton and Stephon Gilmore had dinner together last Friday, a day after Ken Newton tested positive for mm. COVID. So now Gilmore has positive tests. So it's not just the Tennessee Titans that are being reckless. It's the New England Patriots. And now they're starting to mess with people's schedule. The Buffalo Bills now, they're going to have a game against Kansas City on a short week. Now they have to play KC. That game's been moved from Thursday to Sunday, and now they have a short week the next week. It's just crazy. Mayhem, but it all started with the Tennessee Titans, and now they're going to try to get the game in on Tuesday night. Tuesday night against Buffalo. Just wild, man. So, Kane, they just have to isolate themselves and be careful if they want to continue to play football. Is there talk that the NFL will come hard down on them because from just listening to you there, clearly they've they've done the wrong thing and haven't been abiding by the protocol. So what role does the NFL have and will they sanction these teams and players? Well, apparently the NFL, the new contract uh, going into the COVID, with the COVID-19 protocols, apparently they're going to start fining teams. And you've seen coaches being fined for not wearing a mask. Kyle Shanahan here in San Francisco was fined. John Gruden has been fined. Vic Fangio, the coach of the Broncos, has been fined. But with the Titans, I was reading a report earlier today on Pro Football Talk uh, here to say to uh, Mike Florio was hinting at the fact that maybe Mike Vrabel and their GM, John Robinson, possibly could face suspensions, maybe a suspension, suspension for the rest of the season. Um, I think you got to come down hard on the Titans if this continues to go on, or just quite simply make them forfeit football games. Make them forfeit football games, and maybe they'll get their act together. But right now the NFL is moving slow, 
and they're kind of playing hot potato with the schedule. They're just trying to move things around and say, okay, we're just going to move their game to Tuesday night. We're going to move their game to Saturday. We're going to move it to a Monday. At some point, the NFL just has to stop playing games and say, you know what, Tennessee, uh, enough is enough. And start suspending guys and start finding teams or also taking draft picks. Take their mm. first-round pick away. Take their second-round pick away, and maybe the Titans will get the point on now serious uh, COVID-19 and how serious it is to quarantine and isolate themselves. You mentioned the Patriots before and Cam Newman and Stephen Gilmore. Now, the, the big concern is that Gilmore has been seen hugging uh, Patrick Mahomes after their game last week. Now, yeah. the half-a-billion-dollar man, he's the face of the league. Gee, what would happen <laughs> if he went down? Oh, my Lord. I mean, the NFL would have a heart attack, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes and what he's been doing with the kids at the Chiefs. I mean, we saw that image. You said, whoa, it, it was so serious. Patrick Mahomes, get this, his fiance is pregnant now. And they slept in separate rooms over the last couple of nights. That's how serious it is. So mm. Patrick Mahomes has tested negative from what I've heard so far. But uh, they are definitely taking precautions there in Kansas City. And even in his own household, like I just mentioned, Kane, him and his wife are sleeping in separate rooms. They don't even want to risk it or see what's going on there. So, you know, how could Mahomes know? You know, they put put in a protocol says, hey, hey, don't get too close after games. But you see it. Heck, we had a brawl last week in L.A. between the Rams and the mm-hmm. Giants. Golden Tate, the wide receiver for the New York Giants, was brawling with Jalen Ramsey. There was no mask on. Think about that. Think of somebody with the Rams. Maybe that could have spread COVID-19 there just in L.A. So teams have to do a better job if they want this season completed. But the NFL is going to do whatever they can to get the season in. Um, You know, if it was Patrick Mahomes, then I would think, Kane, that they would put a pause on the season, which I think they should do to get the stuff under control. What what difference does it make if the Super Bowl is played in the second week of February or the first week of March? Yeah. If you need to pause the season for a week or two, then go ahead and do that to get this thing under control. Yeah, we had the situation with our competition here in Australia. Australian rules got halted for about eight or nine weeks while they got it under control. And then the season is now only three weeks away from being finished. So it can happen. Um, But let's move on to the NBA because Mm -hmm. LeBron James has um, another ring well within his sights, which would be his fourth. The Heat have been gallant under some adversity with injury, but LeBron's going to do it again, you'd think. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I don't see the Lakers blowing a 3-1 lead. I mean, LeBron's been special. He's ageless, um, 35 years old, 17th year in the league, and he's dropping 28 points, 11 rebounds, and eight and a half assists in these finals. And he, he has the perfect sidekick with Anthony Davis, and I think if I had to vote for finals MVP, it would be Anthony Davis. Now, the numbers are nearly identical when you look at the points, the rebounds, obviously the assists are going to favor LeBron James, but the blocks up and alteration of shots. Anthony Davis's length has bothered the Heat all game long, and look what happened in game number four. And a must win for both teams. You know, if the Heat tie the series, all of a sudden you have the best of three. Lakers obviously win the game. They go up a commanding 3-1. But Anthony Davis took the challenge to guard Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, who, of course, dropped 40 points in game number three. Anthony Davis defended Jimmy Butler all game long, and he made Jimmy Butler uncomfortable. Jimmy Butler had a lot of chances in the paint to pull up from the mid-range shot, but Anthony Davis was in his way. Every time he drove to the cup, Anthony Davis was there to alter a shot. He has been the difference in this series, especially with Bam Adebayo struggling with his shoulder. Uh, look, LeBron has been great. LeBron has been all-time awesome. He's athletic. He's doing whatever he needs to do. But in my opinion, Anthony Davis is the big difference in the series because of his size, because of his athleticism, 
and and the way he just defends, he, I did not know Kane that he could defend on the perimeter like he mm. does. He's defending out three point line. He's switching on the guards. He's been simply amazing, and he's healthy. So, my in my opinion, Anthony Davis has been a difference in these NBA finals. He has been. So the Lakers will get it done, as you're predicting. What about the off season? What, what's it looking like? And then the possibility of the resumption of of the 2020-21 season. Is there any news about that and how the NBA will will deal with this? Yeah, what we're hearing right now, Kane, is that the NBA draft will be November 15th. The off season will kind of be quick. They'll try to cram it in in six weeks. And from what I'm hearing is that the NBA season may be starting. Uh, a little bit after New Year's Day, a little bit in early January. But it would probably be without fans. Uh, they'll probably have to start the next season without fans, and that's going to hurt a lot of teams, especially go to St. Warriors here in San Francisco, where they just opened up a new arena, the Chase Center. They basically, Joe Lake of the owner, to go to St. Warriors, Peter Gruber, they basically paid for it out of their own pocket and losing nearly $5 million a day because of all the concerts that they're missing out on, the college basketball games, college graduations, and, of course, the Warriors. When it comes to the Warriors, 80% of their revenue comes from fans attending games, fans buying gear, you know, Seth Curry jerseys, Clay Thompson jerseys, Wiggins and Draymond jerseys, the concession stands. So the Warriors right now, if they can't have fans when the season starts next year, it may cost them in the way they spend their money this offseason. So... Um, from what I'm hearing, Kane, is that the season will take will resume sometime in January, and that'll be the best case scenario for the NBA. Yeah, we'll wait and see. They've done a great job, Bonta. Thanks so much, mate. So much happening in American sport. We really appreciate the update this morning. Hey, Kane, have a good day, man. And you guys out there in Australia, continue to stay safe, wear your mask, man, and let's get through this uh, rough, rough 2020 year. <laughs> He's a legend. He's a ripper. You can have your say on any of that or any sporting topic that's caught your attention. That was Bonta Hill. Now, if you want to check out some of his work, just look up The Morning Roast with Kate Scott and Joe Sharsky, of course, big Golden State fan as well. Um, let's get back onto the Melbourne Footy Club because just uh, for those of you just joining the program, um, Adam Uze has left the Hawthorne Footy Club and he will join Melbourne in an assistant coaching role. Of course, as we said earlier, Adam Uze went for the Adelaide coaching job, made the last three, um, and Adelaide have also inquired about his services this off-season, but in essence, he wanted to stay uh, in Victoria for family reasons and he will join Simon Goodwin's coaching panel at Melbourne. The excuses are running out for Goody. Uh, are, are they not? So last year, there was a rebuild at Melbourne, and they got in Alan Richardson. They also went and got the most high-profile, high-performance man in Darren Burgess to come in and support Simon Goodwin. A couple of extra players came in. Tomlinson, Langdon came in and was supposed to be the review last year. Now I'm reading this off-season that Melbourne are undertaking another review, just 12 months after the last review, and they've brought in another senior assistant coach to help Simon Goodwin. So... You would think this means that at some point you put the support around Simon Goodwin, you bolster it, you have a review last year, you have a review this year, you bring in another highly touted assistant coach. There is no more excuses at Melbourne. And what they do need is a forward. So you can bring in all the assistant coaches you like, but someone has to kick goals and Melbourne have struggled to find someone who can kick goals and go through their leading goal scorers again this year and find me a player over six foot two, you won't. 
So if it's, I don't know, if it's Ben Brown, if it's someone, Melbourne need goals. They don't need more assistant coaches. They need a player who can stand at centre-half forward, take a mark and kick a goal. But you would think in terms of pressure heading into next season, if he wasn't already on the back of this announcement that Adam Uze is joining the Demons, Simon Goodwin is is almost running out of chances, unfortunately, for Goody. D's fans, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Adam Uze going from Hawthorne to Melbourne. Um, we can take your calls on the other side of this. It's the captain's run. It's 11 minutes to 11 o'clock. If you're on SENSA in Adelaide, it's 19 minutes past 10. This thanks to Apollo League, apolloleague.com. Elevate your career. Let's get to your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You know the number. Rich knows it. You want to speak about Adam Uze joining the Demons, Rich. What's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, thanks, Kane. Love your work. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I welcome Adam Uze joining Melbourne. I'm not a fan of Simon Goodwin. And can I give you a couple of reasons why as a supporter? Yep. Um, we've been down for 50 years. I'm 59. We've been down for 50 years. Um, we've never really looked like a premiership side, except for when Rusey had us and put us in that nice little spot, built us up nicely. And even your good self thought we were a chance at a flag there. But Simon Goodwin, to me, came in and disassembled what Paul Ruse had done. And regardless of how Jack Watts or Jess Hogan have performed at other clubs, the reality is they were A-graders at Melbourne and should never have left. And we've made some bizarre decisions. We drafted Bruce, now a good player, Mm. but why we drafted him, I'll never know. Mm. And now we're looking for a forward. And I don't hear Melbourne talking about Bren Brown. You mentioned him. I mean, to me... It's obvious. It's it um, you know, and and as a Melbourne supporter, can I just say this about Simon Goodwin? I'm not having a crack at the bloke personally as such, but he just comes across as so smug, and always got this wry little grin on his face. Drives me mental. Reminds me of when Tim Watson got ostracised for chewing jelly beans after a press conference after the St Kilda got hammered. You know, strong thoughts there from rich, frustrated Demons fans. Tim, you want to um, speak about the Brisbane Lions? Morning, Kane. How are you going? Good, mate. Um, this is a real interesting one. Everyone knows Dodorio is a real hard taskmaster with the trade. Um, Joe Danaher is up for a restricted free agency. If Essendon um, try to play hardball with it and sign him, Brisbane could just walk away and Essendon will end up with nothing. And the draft, those could lose all their draft picks because if they try and trade with Richmond, um, with Brisbane, Brisbane's only going to have a a late first-round draft pick anyway, where they could, if they don't sign him, get a high first-round draft pick. So yeah, as, as it sits now, Brisbane uh, pick 18 and 19 in the draft. Fascinating trade period. Never been more excited for a trade period in recent times. Quickly get to Barry Lester, of course. Barry has partnered with Apia, proudly supporting Bowls Australia to encourage our community to get set go to perfect their lawn bowls skills with techniques and trade secrets to encourage living a healthier life. Uh, good morning to you, Barry. This week's video, we're focusing on game etiquette and socialisation, which uh, is a big part of your sport, no doubt. Yeah, it's probably one of the best things about the game of bowls. We, we're very fortunate that uh, it's played pretty much anywhere around Australia. There's a bowls club in, in, you know, in every local town or s- suburb of your major cities, and you can get down and just have the most social fun. So, yeah, we as players, we love afterwards having a few refreshments and, and talking about a few stories about you know our, our game and experiences, and 
and that's where you see um, we had the Gold Coast Suns come down to Burley last week for a bit of a barefoot bowl and let their hair down and, and have a good time and just goes to show that this game provides so much for people to get out there and have a good, fun social experience. How'd they go, the Gold Coast Suns? Could, could they handle Yeah, they were good. Yeah, they were, they were excellent. Uh, they had a good time and because we're positioned you know, right near the beach, um, yeah, it's a good spot for them to come down and, and obviously post-season let their hair down, but... Um, you know, I've made some tremendous uh, friends out of this sport, sport of bowls, and it really does cater for everyone in terms of that social side of things. And you know, we've got players young and old, and, and players with disability, etc. And you know, one of my best mates, Timmy Slater, he he represented Com Games a few years ago, and you know, he's just a social butterfly. Loves to get out there and give the game a go and promote the sport. And and having the guys like the Suns down here was great as well. You know, just to be able to promote the game and, and see that they love to get out and give it a go. Good on you, Barry. Was there before we let you go? Was there a player that stood out from the Suns? Did anyone wipe the floor? Um, yeah, Murdoch. I reckon. Um, yeah, he seemed to do all right. Um, yeah, few of the boys. Yeah, just that natural ability, core, core strength. You know, be able to get down, bowl the bowl nice and smooth. Um, so yeah, a few of the boys. Um, yeah, if they if they're looking for something to take up post AFL, um, come down to Burley. <laughs> we'll, we'll put there them in a go. team for sure. <laughs> this week's video um, that Barry has done, focusing on after game etiquette and socialization. Socialization, Barry. We'll speak to you next week. Thanks very much, Kane. You can watch the content at the Apia Good Life Hub, so check out um, the website there. We've got a big last hour coming up. Looking forward to getting stuck into it. We might uh, speak to Brett Montgomery, Senior Assistant Coach at Port Adelaide, has been the mastermind behind their push to a grand final this year. But on the other side of this, Sammy Edmund with all of the latest trade news. And there's a fair bit we've got to get through. If you've got a question for Sammy, actually, send us a text, a temper text, 0433 98 11 16. I'm being told, also got some mean tweets to get through, which I'm a bit nervous about. So, Captain's Run. Made a fool out of myself. I said that the pies were making up the numbers. I sat there. I sweated, I cheered, I barracked for West Coast to get the job done and they let me down and from there I just had to stand up, I had to cop it, I copped it from Chompers and Billy and Lordo and Brownie and all the boys on the Sunday footy show and rightly so and I also copped it from you on social media and a couple of big guns got involved, Jeremy Howe just uh, quote tweeted me saying Collingwood are making up the numbers, he said try that on for size Kane. Crypto Miller says, mate, you're making up the numbers as a journo. Adrian says, you must be sick of being wrong by now. Uh, Frankie says, you're making up the numbers in the footy show, you skeleton. Sam says, at least you're consistent, creasehead. Now, Sam Old is his name. Sam, y- y- you're having a crack at me for my appearance. I would like to turn your attention to his to his profile picture. He's he's not a Japanese sunset, old Sammy boy at oldie twenty seven. So he's throwing stones around, but he's not he's not Brad Pitt. I can tell you that much. Ryan Harris says no one taking anything you say seriously anyway, mate. Don's for life. You're not sorry. You're just an attention seeking wanker suffering your jocks. T man says apology unaccepted. You flog. And Josh says, more proof you're an absolute nuffy. And Adam says, I would still draft Lawrence Angwin over Kane Corns again. Short, sharp, but pretty cutting, the mean tweets. And as I said, I deserved all of them.
Sammy Edmund is um, SEN's chief sports reporter, and he's been good enough to join us. Uh, Sammy, good morning to you, mate. Love a good Japanese sunset, Kane. Uh, good morning to you. No more sleeps on the footy advent calendar, is there? I've been looking forward to this cutthroat weekend. Well, it's on. We are on. Um, and I don't think there's going to be many surprises tonight. Can you firstly make a case for the Saints or not? Oh, yeah, for sure. You can definitely mm. make a case for the Saints. It's going to be mightily difficult. We know that. But, uh, no, I'm on. I uh, don't know if you saw this yesterday, Kane, but I filled out their bandwagon form that they put up on oh, Twitter, was which good. was very clever. Very good use of social media, that. So, uh, no, they're, they're probably everyone's second team at the moment, I would have thought. So whether we're all glass half full and optimistic, they can really turn the finals on their head, I'm not sure. But it is going to be mightily tough. And Tom Lynch back as well, just another headache for them. Now, our man Gary Lyon this morning dropped a bomb um, on his show. He, he says that Carlton are keen on Collingwood star Jordan Ngoi. So, just to quote Gaz, he said, my man reckons that Carlton have been stockpiling salary cap room for a number of years now. For those wondering how it works, can you explain how a club can stockpile salary cap room over a number of years? Well, there's an underspend system, if you like, Kane, whereby if you pay 95% of the salary cap for a period of time, then you can then overspend on the cap for a period of time mm. as well. That's probably the most simplistic way yep. to put it. And Carlton have manufactured their books in a way where they can do that, and they're doing it now. And, and that was a big reason they were able to front-end that deal for Jack Martin 12 months ago so dramatically to price Melbourne and others out of the market. They clearly have cash to spend. They've got more cash to spend. Whether it's on someone like Jordan Degoe is massively speculative. I can't put any meat on that bone other than to say I would be staggered if Jordan Degoe's management, which is his old man Roger, hasn't fielded calls from just about every club in the competition. We know Essendon reached out as well to try and get him some time ago to at least touch base, if you like, and see where Jordan's head is at. I mean, most things point to him staying at Collingwood. That hasn't changed. But you don't know if you don't ask. You can't win the raffle without a ticket, Kane. Mm. Um, whilst we're on, Carlton, the threat of Adam Saad you broke yesterday um, threatening to go through the pre-season draft if they can't get a deal done with the Bombers? Yeah, and it probably will get done. I don't want it to uh, make no. it out as if they're, they're going to do that as a fait accompli. But they are prepared for all scenarios, given the difficulty historically when it comes to manufacturing trades, not just with Essendon, who have the reputation, but Carlton as well haven't been exactly shrinking violet on the trade front either. So... Uh, it's pick seven at the moment on the table, clearly, to bring Saar to Princess Park. The Bombers may well seek more than that. I think it'll be seven and a swap of late picks for what it's worth, or maybe Carlton will just get a late pick back the other way. But the Saad camp, they've got the plans in place, the mechanisms, should a stalemate scenario ensue, Kane. Hopefully it doesn't get to that for Saad, from Saad's point of view, but certainly... He's ready for it, should. And while other clubs have earlier picks in the Blues, some people might say, well, what's stopping North Melbourne from swooping in the pre-season draft? I mean, are you really going to sign a guy, Kane, mm. on a five-year contract at $650,000 a season when he doesn't want to meet with you, he hasn't met with you, you haven't been able to do a medical with him, and he doesn't want to play there? I mean, it just doesn't happen, does it? So he will get to Carlton one way or the other. I agree with that. Um, so some talk of a mass exodus at Essendon and the names, you've heard them, Hurley, Hooker, Merritt, Fantasia. What is the landscape with the other bombers that are still there at the moment? 
Yeah, I agree with what you said earlier today. I know Robert Murphy was of a similar mind earlier this week, but it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, Danaher, Essendon supporters, you've been conditioned to that almost, that he's going. And Fantasia, if he leaves, well, so be it. Sad, hurt, but at least now you've got clarity on, on where you're at moving forward and you get three, potentially three first-round draft picks in and you reset with some promising youngsters, McGrath, Ridley already at the club and so forth. But you'd want to make sure this is the end of the fire, wouldn't you, Kane? And mm. I don't think it is certain. Certainly the jungle drums at the moment are beating furiously in the sense that there's more uh, uncertainty at the club, there's more players who are exploring their options and there's more players who are perhaps part of this ever-increasing disgruntled group, if you like. Now, I'm hearing whispers Devin Smith is one of those. He signed the four-year deal when he crossed from GWS in late 2017. So like Zach Merritt, he is contracted for next year. But whispers around him being unsettled and not happy there, whether it translates to him putting a trade request in, that is a long bow to draw at this point, but certainly some unhappiness with him. We hear some whispers about Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody, Jake Stringer as well. So... They've got to nip this in the bud, Essendon, really quickly. And um, Dan Richardson saying that yesterday that the players perhaps haven't been, not all of them, willing to play the roles um, um, encouraged of them or ordered upon them to pursue is a real worrying trait. And uh, Ben Rutten's really got to get a hold of this quick and um, and reset. Mm. Uh, let's move on to Adelaide and what the hold-up would be for Brad Crouch. What's your best guess? I mean, some would assume that Geelong and him maybe waiting for them to exit, but that didn't stop Joe Danaher naming Brisbane. Why do you think it's taking Brad Crouch so long? Yeah, he is the restricted free agent there, of course, and you're right, he hasn't declared his hand yet. Well, my understanding is the hold-up does relate to the team's playing finals, Kane. Now, some clubs care about this sort of stuff and some mm. clubs don't. Now, Richmond re-signed Jack Graham, but the Tigers and Geelong have been reluctant to commit to deals for recruits in this era, era of list-size uncertainty, if you like, complicated by the fact they're still trying to win the premiership. Now, Crouch has been courted by the Cats, and the Tigers have also touched base with him on the quiet. Make no mistake about that. Port Adelaide have been linked because if he had a choice, that's probably where he would prefer to play his footy for geographical reasons, albeit, geez, it's really hard to see how he fits in there at the power. So I think it relates, or I've been told it relates to the teams that are still in contention for the Premiership, uh, Kane, and once that ship sails, then he'll make his move. A bit of talk about Jeremy Cameron this morning as well, dealing exclusively throughout the year with the Giants, but they may, that may have been derailed and talk is Geelong waiting as well for, for mm. him to make a call. Really hard to get a read on this, I'll yeah. say, right from the outset. Albeit, he signed the big five-year extension in March 2015. It was heavily back-ended, we know that. He stood to earn an absolute stack this year. Some believe as much as $1.5 million, but certainly a large amount before COVID hit. So he's been hurt by as much as the pay cut as anyone. What I can tell you is that when they initially sat down to sort out this contract, this new contract, the Jeremy Cameron side of the equation and his management put forth uh, a proposal that was, well, probably a little bit inflamed from the GWS side. They were a fair way apart on what they thought was fair and reasonable. It's taken a long time to reach a middle ground. We know Geelong have been interested for a long, long time, Kane. So whether they are the opportunist here remains to be seen. Um, I'm not even going to hazard a guess as to what mm. Jeremy Cameron wants to do, other than the fact he's making uh, some people at GWS sweat a little bit that they can't get him signed. I reckon the, the key forward's going to be fascinating in this trade period. One that hasn't spoken, been spoken about a lot lately, but big two-metre Peter 
from Gold Coast. I would assume there's a lot of interest in him. He hasn't established himself at Gold Coast. Uh, is a return on the cards perhaps in order for him to return to Victoria or come to Victoria? Last touch base with two metre Peter a couple of weeks ago, Kane, and actually conversely there wasn't a heck of a lot of clubs declaring right. their hand on a player like that. I think he fits into that basket without being offensive to him. Uh, unless you're a superstar player at the moment with no, no certainty on salary cap and list sizes, clubs are just biding their time. I think he will certainly find a new home, but it's difficult to put any clarity around that at the moment when clubs just don't know what they've actually got to work with. I think once they know that and the relative room they've got in their cap and on their list and who else is coming and going, then I think you'll find uh, there'll be there'll be interest for two-metre Peter and also Will Brody as well, who is very much up for grabs. I think both of those players at Gold Coast are expendable and uh, will be at new clubs next year. Good on you, Sammy. Looking forward to you backing up on Crunch Time tomorrow. Can't wait, Kane. You can tune into that from 12 o'clock with Jared Whiteley, myself, Sammy Edmund, with all of your footy news and the fallout for tonight's game between St Kilda and Richmond, but it is time now to get to our next guest from Bet Deluxe. Paul Sebastiani is his name with all the latest happenings in the world of sport. Paul, thanks for making your debut and welcome. Bet Deluxe, serious betting for serious punters. Betdeluxe.com.au, gamble responsibly. Well, there we go. We've got even a fancy new intro for you, mate. Paul, welcome, buddy. How are you, mate? Good, good to see you got my last name right too, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's not an easy one, but it sort of rolls no. <laughs> off the tongue uh, well enough. Mate, they're telling me you're a big Carlton fan as well. It's all happening at the Blues, Zach Williams and also Adam Saad, so you'd be pretty happy. Do I sense a bit of jealousy in your voice, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a touch. <laughs> oh, no, they're going okay, mate, in the off-season, so we'll see how we go. <laughs> right, keeping a lid on it. Let's get to the, the AFL Premiership markets. We're getting right towards the business end. Can we start with the head-to-head yep. op, up, uh, updates, I should say? Uh, Richmond and taking on the Saints tonight. We'll start there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so Richmond really well back. Dollar twenty-five favourites with us at uh, betdeluxe.com.au. But we've got a little special actually. If you reckon Dusty Martin can kick a goal into a Tigers win, there's two bucks on offer with a max bet of uh, fifty bucks, and then on to Geelong and the uh, and uh, the Magpies. Special on the Geelong Cats, two bucks on offer as well with a max bet of fifty bucks, and all the money's been for for Geelong so far. Mm, and and that is somewhat of a surprise because I think it might be a little bit closer than that. Um, NBA is also in full swing as well as LeBron looks to make his fourth title a reality. Uh, what have you got for us in the NBA world? Yeah, we've got a little special on uh, the game on Saturday afternoon. So Anthony Davis double double into a into a Lakers win three bucks on offer at uh, Bet Deluxe with a max bet of fifty bucks. So if you reckon the Lakers can continue their winning run, take up uh, take up that offer. And there's been good money for for the Lakers as well, mate. And in ten seconds, your best bet in the racing world on the weekend. Oh, let's go with uh, Old Kirk for the Guineas. Good on you, mate. <laughs> bet Deluxe, Victorian owned and operated. Gamble in October at. Now let's get back to some of your calls and Lance has given us a call. Good morning to you, mate, and welcome. Morning, Volcano. How are you, mate? Thanks Good, for taking thanks. the call. Pleasure. Uh, two things quickly. Um, I know you why you air the tweet that people send in to show that, you know, you, you're putting up both sides of the argument, but the ones that are really defamatory and personal, mate, don't put them up. They don't, they don't deserve the oxygen. I don't always agree with you. But there's no need to go down that track, you know. The other thing is, with the Bombers, I mean, I'm a Tiger man through and through, but we're in the same position, and 
Well, blokes like the Velvet Sledgehammer, they just need to calm down a bit or don't be a part of the problem, be a part of the solution. Go and go down there and be a mediator between people. I think the main problem there, mate, is the players have too much say and if they don't want to be there, go. Thank you to you, Lance. Appreciate your opinion, mate. Give us a call again sometime. Mark's in South Melbourne. I'm reading you're a big Saints fan, Mark. What are they going to do tonight to win? Gonzi, you've been fantastic. Let's have a look at what Richmond have to do with St Kilda. That's the key, right? We beat them last time. We've got the King. Who's going to stop the King, right? Who's going to stop Butler? Who's going to stop Steele, right? Or where does Marsh play? Does he play at fullback on Rewald? Does he play in the forward line as a defensive forward against Grimes? Or do they throw him into the ruck? We're all worried about Carlisle not playing. Battle comes in. We're worried about Ryder. Okay, he was great. But Richmond have only got one Ruckman. Let them worry about us. What do you think, my friend? Because I'm getting excited. (laughs) I love it. I love the passion. I love the optimism about it. And I love the daring to dream. And I guess the speed is where I see the advantage for the Saints. Round four, this year they beat them by 26, I think it was, and Hill and... Uh, Butler had their way with Richmond, so that's what I'd be doing. We spoke to Cozzy about that, didn't we, earlier on in the show? He said, just take them on. Just just take some risks. Take them on. Use your speed. Mark, handball, play on. Drive the ball in deep. Memory's in good form. King's in good form. And all the small forwards are in good form. So that, that's that's what I'd be doing. And I hope it's a cracking game. Appreciate your thoughts there, Mark. Just uh, settle, settle down. Relax. It's about 10 hours away before kickoff. In fact, it's only 8 hours and 25 minutes. You are counting down to that. Well, one team who is sitting and waiting for the result of tonight is Port Adelaide, and they'll sit back and they'll have a look at it to find out what the coaches will be doing to prepare for either Richmond or St Kilda. We thought we'd get on senior assistant coach and one of the masterminds behind Port Adelaide's success this year is Brett Montgomery. He joined us earlier on on 1629 SENSA. Monty, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, mate. How things? Well, we're good, as you would be too. It's it's a lovely feeling having that weekend off and, and watching two teams that you are potentially going to meet, hopefully built the living suitcase out of each other, Monty. Yeah, that's sort of how it sits, isn't it? When you when you are lucky enough to get that weekend off, there is part of you that just uh, will enjoy a really quiet night on the couch and um, hope it's a ferocious contest and they show their hand and... And they uh, go all out to do it. So, yeah, that is, I mean, we talk about rights and guarantees. It's about the only right you get in footy is uh, the right to the week off if you're good enough. And um, can't wait to see how the next uh, couple of days play out, to be yeah, honest. It'll be fascinating. I guess you put a fair bit of trust in your, in your fitness staff as well with, with the pre-finals buy. There's not a lot of footy that you've played in the last three weeks. Um, Ian Macker's McEwen will, ha- will have his work cut out for him this weekend as well. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a really fine line about what you try and get out of that fortnight uh, and how much from, we're in a we're in what is generally a seven-day turnaround industry, as you know, and I think if uh, the masterminds behind uh, the physical conditioning of any staff would say that uh, eight or nine days would be the optimal break between any week, so so why rush them? So we, we gave them time to reflect and replenish after off the back of this and the build-up is reasonably slow. And when you come out of a year where you're in four, five and six-day turnarounds consistently for 10 weeks, um, it's probably not a bad thing this year. Um, I think as a general philosophy, the, the buy before the finals personally is not a great thing. 
if you're a good team and you go through as you should and win and get another week off. But I think in this year, being such a bizarre and unique year, it won't be such a bad thing. So, Monty, will today be your main session for the week and what sort of session will it be? Yeah, today today will be the, the hit out. I think the boys are needing and looking forward to it. I think, as I said before, I think we've been quite quite slow in our build-up to this point. We've allowed guys to sort of move at their own pace, get some feel-good touch more than anything, a bit of a luxury we don't normally get, and today they'll have a hit out. So it won't, it won't be a game as such, but there will be three periods where we practice three different things, and those will be roughly sort of 12 to 15 minutes each, and... Um, no doubt there'll be the five or six or seven guys that are on the on the fringe and trying to press their clubs to go a little harder than the seven or eight at the top, which is human nature as well. So does that mean the likes of, say, Dersmer and Marshall will join in on training or just be restricted? Yeah, I think um, last check, Xavier would be fine to go, and he was he was pretty much um, right to go only, you know, only 24 hours after the game, and... I think the week off will serve both of those lads really well. But, yeah, I think um, Xavier will be fine. I think Todd, with, uh, with what is a, a very, very minor AC, is, is just makes perfect sense just giving the extra day away from contact. So he'll do some training. He just won't do the stuff that looks like a match. Monty, in hindsight, you got your selections absolutely spot on for that game against Geelong. But it wasn't without some debate. I assume that the talk was that Cleary was going to miss and Bonner would get the nod. Um in the end, what what was the reasoning behind going for, for Tom Cleary and were you happy with his performance last Thursday? Well, f- first of all, very happy with his performance, even though it's a, it's a fairly low involvement type type of performance. But I think um, that type of role in a final with good aerial support and shoring us up against a team that can really hit the scoreboard when they get going was important. I think, to be honest, the debate around whether we do or we don't go with Riley or Tom was more around Riley's form and how, how damaging it had been and um, the glimpses he'd shown that we're, we're certainly looking for some more punch in our offence as well and he brings that in spades. And mm. uh, So I, I guess the, the balancing argument was how much do we need to um, shore up our defence and, and how much damage we can cause with the footy. So look at it, there was conversation, but uh, we're always pretty confident that that Cos would be in the team. The other one, Riley, um, sorry, um, Burton as well, Ryan Burton, I should say. I was a bit concerned about the the footy that he played, Monty, and the reoccurrence of the soft tissue injuries that he's had. But he didn't miss a beat. But often it's the second week that can hurt you, and I think that was the case last time. So how have you managed his body uh, this week and, and into this weekend? I think with someone like, like Ryan that's a, um, a high-power type athlete, um, we're, we're always going to be sort of, um, I guess, holding our breath a little bit with the way that we prepare him. He's um, obviously fairly new to the club and we knew he had history with his knee, so he's not a he's not a, um, a consistent turn-up-to-training type guy, get all the minutes in. Uh, it is a, a week-to-week proposition with him, what we get out of him and how he's balanced in his loads. So... I think at the moment we're, we're, it's at the extreme end at the moment where we're managing a, a chronic knee that we know has got plenty of footy left in it, but now we've, we've got one or two other things. So uh, we've got full trust in the guides. I know you mentioned Mackens before um, in the staff downstairs, and, and as you mentioned, we're, we're quite sensitive to the second week. I guess our philosophy behind Ryan playing was 
if we're going to be good enough to, to get through to a prelim and if we're going to be good enough to win that and go to a grand final, we're going to need him um, as he is one of our most important players. So we did take some risk into the game and he was probably it. Monty, have you, have you had to speak to some of the first-time finals players just about playing on such big occasions? Or I suppose after the result of the qualifying final, maybe you didn't have to. Were you, I suppose, surprised by some of the efforts of the youngsters? Because it's a different stage and they were just outstanding. I think what, what we've done pretty well through this year is that um, we've allowed the guys to talk. We've allowed the guys to be curious. And um, now whether it was in a in fairly jovial situations or not, we, we had the guys sort of throw around their final experience and tell some stories. And, and, and I think that was sort of done more as a group. And then I guess in more intimate and personal sort of settings, we've obviously we've got myself, Jared Schofield, Chad Corns, Michael Voss, and I'm probably missing one or two here, Tyson Goldsack. So there, there's plenty of people with great finals experience around for, the, for those to lean on in their own time. So... Uh, yeah, there were some, some funny jokes shared around what finals meant to different people and, and the intensity they'd be played at. But um, look, it's, we've played in some big games this year and I think the fact that um, there was just noise back at the arena was enough to, to bring pressure into the game, whether it was a final or not. So uh, we're really looking forward to playing in front of another crowd uh, next Friday. How does, that, how does that go down, Monty? Is it just, Kenny just says, just open up to the group and let the discussion and the conversation go whichever way it goes? Or was it a, a scheduled sit-down and a planned sort of meeting where that experience was shared? To be honest, I think it kicked off by making a little bit of light-hearted humour around Tom Rockley's career, <laughs> uh, playing so many games and, and not being involved in a, in a final. And, and I think it sort of just snowballed from there. And, and, and again... As often has been the case through the year, a lot of our general discussions have started in that sort of light-hearted hearted way. And, and before you know it, some really pointed um, debate and discussion and, and topics hit the table. So I have really like the way that things have organically unfolded in a lot of our group discussions this year. Mm. Uh, tonight's game, did you as coaches get together and have a look at it or the team? What, what goes on or is it just everyone on their own? Yeah, there was some good discussion around what the players would do. Um, I guess the, the imposed guidelines on the players still still um, stipulate that they're in groups of five. Uh, so it makes it very difficult for those guys to do anything formal. But um, as coaches, we'll certainly have a look at it together. We'll, we'll head around to Kent's house tonight and take that in. And uh, No doubt he'll be on tilt and he'll be uh, up and about watching it. So we'll be... <laughs> I will be put to work tonight while we're watching the footy. What do you What do you take to the coach's house? Is it a bottle of wine? Is it some Diet Coke? Or, well, what's the protocol? Well, Alistair Clarkson, bottle of gin. Yeah, I reckon with Kenny, it's probably a dozen strawberry donuts. If you want to get him his good books, anyway. Okay, well, he looks good, actually. I think he might have lost a bit of weight, Monty, so, so maybe not. A um, bit of con uh, talk about Brad Ebert as well. Been in great form. We spoke to Carl Amon earlier in the week, and he revealed that he, he won the John McCarthy prison bar jumper to wear for the week. That's how good he was. Out of contract, Monty, are you confident he's still got some good footy left in him beyond this year? Uh, well, well, I do. Um, I think the, the most important thing with him is that he's really found his, his running legs again and I think he knows the role that he's in at the moment could be anything from three or four touches right through to, to maybe a, a dozen or more, but just doing the Ks and connecting us up in offence and defence. And 
he's just a really smart player that understands that that's part of what he signed up for right now. Um, great to see him be able to hit the scoreboard last week with some polish. And I think between him and Stephen Motlop, we've been sort of crying out for, for some of that polish. We do a lot of good work and a lot of hard work, but sometimes we don't walk away with any results. So, um, look, I, 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 look at, I look at him, I look at Bokey, I look at Rob, mm. even Westy to a point, and just think these guys are, are looking for some success and they're so driven to, to put their best foot forward in the next fortnight. And uh, I know that he's not looking any further on than that. Well said, mate. I know, I know you, and I know you'll be going to school, and you'll come up with a plan against whoever you play next week, and it's going to be a compelling final and a great weekend. Congratulations to the work you've done so far, with a lot of work still to be done. Thanks for your time this morning. Uh, appreciate it. Thanks, boys. Now, it's time for Chad's Brothers Quiz. Finals are here, and how good is it? So we thought we'd do a finals theme for Chad's Brothers Quiz this morning. Lots of people waiting to have a go. If you're not confident in their ability to answer the questions correctly, jump on and speak to Benny and line up. Last person standing is the way that it works. As you know, Andrew's in sunshine, getting to kick us off. Andrew, good morning to you, bud. Hey, Ken, how are you? Let's start with the first question from our finals theme quiz. When was the last time the Tigers played in the second week of finals? Oh, and clues? No. Um, like, no, nah, not, not, not willing to be giving clues out at this uh, point. I'm sorry, Andrew. Cheers, mate. It wasn't 2013, but thank you for having a go. Matt is on the road. Matt, it is a difficult question. I'll put that on the radar. But when was the last time the Tigers played in the second week of the finals? 1982. Wasn't 1982. If I heard you correctly, I'm sorry to you, Matt. So let's go to Jason in Diamond Creek. Jace, welcome to the quiz. Thanks, guys. Uh, was it 2019? Wasn't 2019, unfortunately for you, Jace. When was the last time the Tigers played in the second week of finals, Steve? Was it 95? Wasn't 1995. Where are all you Richmond fans, um, you trivia buffs out there? Got a good prize to give away? 1-300-736-736. Johnny's ready to have a crack. Uh, welcome to the quiz, Johnny. Hey, Kane. Who are you? When was the last time the Tigers played in the second week of finals? Um, just a guess. Uh, 2007 wasn't 2007 it was it was some time ago starting to hand out a few little clues michael in williamstown g'day michael how are you kano 92 wasn't 1992 jack's in blackburn jack jack's just walking around with his phone in his pocket have i got you there jack Oh, no, nah, come on. We got him just in time. We, we need him. Jack, second chance for you. Oh, did you get rid of him? Is he Johnny Kick is gone. Gee, we're brutal this morning. Jack, I would have given you a, a go there, but um, you only get one chance, according to the gurus back in the studio, pressing the buttons and making the executives call. So let's go to Collingwood and speak to Zach. Zach, we're really struggling with his first question. Can you help us out? I'll give it a crack. Is it 2003? Getting a little bit closer. Sammy, we're getting closer. When was the last time the Tigers played in the second week of finals? Uh, 1999. 
No, but it was between, I'll say, 2003 and 1999. Bob's in Hobart. We've had to go all the way to Hobart to hopefully get the right answer. Bobby, help us out. Well, I'll, go, I'll go with 2002. It wasn't 2002. Jesse in Glenora. So we've narrowed it down between 2002 and 1999. Jesse. Uh, g'day, we'll go 2001. Yes. Right, that was tough. It was harder than it should have been. It was a difficult one. Let's go to question number two. Jesse, hopefully a little bit easier. In the semi-finals last year, which giant forward, this is a GWS forward, sunk the Lions with a late goal? Uh, it's either Cameron or Himmelberg. We'll go Cameron. Uh, it's neither Cameron or Himmelberg, Jesse, but thank you for at least getting us through the first one. Let's go to Andrew in Sunshine. Uh, welcome to you, Andrew. Kane, okay, how are you going? Um, In the semi-finals last year, which GWS forward sunk the Lions with a late goal? Uh, Finlayson. It wasn't Jeremy Finlayson. Luke's on the line for the quiz. G'day, Luke. G'day, Kane. In last year's semi-finals, which GWS forward kicked the match sealer? Uh, Daniels. Let's have a listen. Down the line, Harris Andrews and Cameron... All Australians, both of them. Daniels runs onto it. Can he kick a middle? Oh, the little man, the second shortest man in the game, kicks the goal, and the Giants are in front. Correct, and some of Luke Darcy's best work there as well. The Saints defeated the Tigers when they met this year. Um, behind which two Saints kicking three goals each? Which two St Kilda players kicked three goals each in round four when St Kilda beat Richmond earlier on this year? Daniel Butler was one. Yep. And um, let's go memory. Oh, on fire to you, Luke. All right, we are two questions away from the win. Last time the Cats and the Pies met in a final was 2019. Which pie had 33 disposals that night? Uh, still side one. Yes. Still sideburn. I was reading, actually, Damien Barrett's um, sliding doors on afl.com.au this morning, and he just says this. If Sidebottom left Melbourne today for Queensland, he'd be ready for a potential Collingwood captain's run on Friday, October the 23rd, the day before the grand final. Um, that would be enticing. Last question for the win. To you, Luke, in Doreen. Jake Arts was dumped for the Tigers for the semi-finals after playing how many consecutive games? Uh, 14. Oh, you are good. You are really good, Luke. You are the winner of the quiz this morning and you have won a pair of... 100% waterproof from bogsfootwear.com.au. That was a great quiz. I loved that. Apologies to Robert and all the others lining up waiting for Luke to make a mistake, but he was very... Very good. Um, I was interested also to hear Mark Williams on the front bar last night. I, I didn't actually see it because I'm watching this ridiculous show on Binge at the moment. It's called Alone. Now, Alone is like Survivor on steroids. Like they, they drop 10 people off in the Arctic, but you're all alone and you know, you've got nothing. There's no cameraman. You film all your own work on GoPros. You've got to catch all your own food. It's minus 60 degrees. You've got to build your own shelters, all of that. You're only allowed to take 10 items. Anyway, if you're looking to, for something to pass six hours with, 
check out Alone on Binge. The reason I say that is because I wasn't watching the front bar, but I caught up on social media to hear Mark Williams say this about Hollywood superstar Hugh Jackman. Our uh, president would bring him into the room and uh, I'd look around and go, what's going on here? And I'd be uh, talking and saying, you know, that guy over there, he gets to perform in front front of people. They pay good money. And on that day, I don't care if he's got a cold. I don't care if he's, uh, you know, something's happened with one of his kids. He still has to perform. That's exactly what we have to do today. And it's a showdown. We go and get in halftime and we're losing. So grab him and bring him into the group. Jesus. (laughs) He says a few words. I don't know what well, it's time in the showdown. Down in the showdown. <laughs> and we got up. So it would all work well. If you can find something that just sparks the imagination and, uh, and it works for the group, do it. True story. 2006 showdown. We're a, we're a bad side. We're right down the bottom. Adelaide were right up the top. It was the last showdown of the year. Crows played off in a prelim final that year. Hugh Jackman, probably before he was a mega superstar. Wolverine came out in 2009. So just before that. But he did. He got him in and... Apparently Hugh Jackman said it was the most nervous he's ever been addressing these footballers and I can't exactly remember what he said but it did inspire us to win that showdown. Choco was great on the front bar last night and still should be coaching, let me say that. It's nine minutes to 12 o'clock. We'll be back to wrap it all up after this. Stick around next for Dwayne's World, been in good form as always. That's coming up after 12 o'clock. Of course, tomorrow we'll have the fallout from tonight's first semi-final between Richmond and the Saints on crunch time from 12 o'clock with Jared Waitley and myself and Sammy Edmund. Looking forward to doing that. And you can tune in, but it has been a very busy morning. Thank you to all of your calls and all of your texts. Hot topic this morning has been the Essendon Football Club, just repeating... Uh, my take on it, I just think it was a massive overreaction to Adam Saad and Joe Danaher departing Essendon. And if you break the two departures down, Joe Danaher's played 15 games and kicked 18 goals in the last three seasons. He's been injury-prone, inaccurate and inconsistent, and he's been shopping himself for around 18 months. So good move, I reckon, that he's moving on. And and Saad, whilst it's disappointing to lose a quality player, um, I just think the ability of Essendon to turn in that second-round pick that they gave up for him in 2017 into potentially a top-10 draft pick and the questions over his thoughts to play the role that um, the club wants him to play that he's not that happy to, I don't think it's a disaster either. And Fantasia, if you couple that, he's, he's averaged 11 games and just over a goal a game in the last three seasons. So not a disaster there at all. Thank you to everyone who chipped in and gave us your thoughts on that. Before we leave, we might do our Friday forecast where from time to time we ask you for your certainty over the weekend and the team or player or code that um, has the most at stake and who's under the most pressure. So uh, with some trepidation, I'll give you my my certainty. And that is a six-goal win to Richmond tonight. Um, unfortunately, I think it may be a bit of a fizzer tonight's game. I just think um, Richmond, with the wake-up call they got last week, um, they gave away three goals, four goals through lack of discipline, not only the 50-metre penalties, but defensive lapses. Two of those were from a player who rarely makes them, and that is Grimes. And if you look at the first goal that Daniel Rich kicked, where no one thought to go and pick him up, all goals that are easily preventable. So Richmond will be highly disciplined tonight and um, with St Kilda's outs, I think they win by 36 points is my tip. That's my certainty for the weekend. Most at stake, well, how could you go past Geelong? I mean, what a weekend it is for the Cats 
I look at Chris Scott and his home and away record. We've had this on the agenda with with Jared on Mondays in the means test for four or five weeks now, and he's record in finals since 2011. So I look at him. I look at Tom Hawkins, no goals, five and one out in the full last year, last week. What's going through his mind when he lines up for his first goal from 35 metres out on a slight angle tomorrow night? Uh, the little mental demons that uh, jump on throughout finals is what makes it so fascinating. And then uh, Dangerfield as well. I think the best player in the game is, um, what is he now? He's played in 17 finals, I think it is, for six wins and four losing um, prelims. Is this his last opportunity? Gary Ablett is the last time we're going to see the little genius in, in Geelong colours as well. So, so much riding on it for Geelong as they um, look to to beat Collingwood, who are coming and who are highly confident. So that is my most at stake this weekend. Pressure has been on the Cats all year, and that'll ramp up tomorrow, and I cannot wait for that game. Thanks for all of your calls, all of your texts. As I said, it's been so busy to Ben and to Johnny back in the studio. I look forward to the finals action this week, and we'll be back to digest it all from uh, 9 o'clock next Friday. But until then, um, enjoy the footy. Good luck to all you Saints fans who are dreaming, and I will see you next week. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free, and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.